Welcome to the Two Mutts Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast, presented by Manscaped. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. I'm with Clay Vanderham. Vandy, how's it going? Vandy is dandy. What a great night. Yes, a beauty. A beauty podcast. We're not going to do our little spiel or anything like that. We're going to get right to her with our good <laughs> guest here, man. This was awesome. This is a, almost a good uh, over an hour and a half interview with Mike Commodore, an absolute legend. We covered so much with him. Uh, this was awesome for us. We can't thank him enough for joining us. So, Shimmer, um, Fids, we need round two with everybody. To, we need some NHL stories with him, with Chimmer, with, uh, Fids. with Fids. And oh my God. Yeah. There's, uh, he definitely, definitely leaves you wanting more, which is the goal of doing an interview, in my opinion. So, uh, so I think people will really enjoy this. So, um, before we throw to it, Vandy, quick, uh, quick thoughts on the interview. We'll throw to it. You guys will enjoy it. This will be awesome. But uh, quick thoughts. Uh, no, I, initial thoughts, uh, straight up his path in NHL. I'm always, always intrigued by it, as everybody knows. Um, and then, you know, we question whether he went this way or that way. And, you know, I, college dub wrote that was to me that was intriguing yeah good to know so. yeah no for sure definitely was awesome so uh without further ado we'll throw to our interview with mike commodore right now <laughs> made by sabra now gonchar battles his way to the puck and jordan stall takes over try to go right wide to Malkin, and we got a fight behind the play it's ryan malone malone and commodore Commodore firing right hands and Ryan Malone unable to get himself free to throw a punch and he went down hard. Puck makes its way to Hagman. Hagman to Rennie Bork with Morrison. Commodore, a solid jolt on Bork through the old hip battle. Side, back to Spotcheck again. Commonville tried to rifle it into the corner, maybe a little too cute there, and Cole strikes away, one man back. Cole getting in over the line. Cole going wide with a shot, the rebound, they score! Coming in late on the rebound was Commodore, and Commodore has made it a one-goal game with lots of time left. 115, oh. and Carolina does that two men short. I'll say uh, that's a rarity. But Commodore made a great play in the zone. Our next guest was drafted in 1999 in the second round by the New Jersey Devils. He went on to win a Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes. He also went on to play 484 games in the regular season and 53 in the playoffs. He is the real hockey insider. Welcome to the Two Months Podcast, Mike Commodore. Kami, how's it going? Hey, thank you very much, Joshua. I appreciate it. 1999, the worst draft in NHL history right there. <laughs> but yes, it was, it was fun. It was a good time. Thank yeah. you very much for the intro. I appreciate it. No, no worries, man. We uh, we appreciate you having you on. It's uh been one that we've been trying to get on for a while so we're happy we can get get going doing it but uh i guess uh just kind of how are things going you know with this covid bullshit we got going on but how are things in uh, your world right now yeah yeah it's been like like everybody else i guess it's been an interesting i guess year and a half now 
yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't really, I can't bitch. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's, I lead a pretty simple life. I'm single. I don't have any kids. I, I really don't have any fucking responsibilities at all. So it's been pretty easy for me. I mean, you know, the COVID thing for me is kind of messed up is, you know, when I get to see my parents, especially at the beginning. And then I guess crossing the border has been kind of a pain in the ass, but yeah, overall for me, I mean, I can't complain. I mean, I, I feel for people that have, you know, kids and I mean, I, I can't even imagine dealing with that kind of shit with this, with all this COVID going on. It's, it's been interesting. I've spent long story short, uh, when COVID hit, uh, I went to Penticton cause the golf courses were open there i spent three months there then i came back to calgary so this is last summer i was in calgary until october or beginning of november when whatever lockdown number three was hitting here in alberta whatever number it was and yeah. then uh i was dating a girl at the time that ended lockdown hit and i'm like well i am out of here so i got on a plane and i flew to arizona and i've basically been in Arizona, I was in Arizona till the end of June and I've kind of been going back and forth for the summer, but yeah, it's kind of, it's crazy. The, the differences between like how COVID is Arizona, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Right, I'll just come right out and say it. Nobody cares. When I got down there last November, it was like, there was, you know, like clubs and shit, which I don't go to anyways, but they weren't open. There was some capacity restrictions and you had to wear a mask when you walk in or whatever. And that was about the end of it. And then once the vaccine started coming out in January, all the rules gone, yeah, done. And to come back up here in June and it's like, you know, masks still, which it isn't a huge deal, but it's, I mean, it's still, it's a pain in the ass. And we were talking about more lockdowns and we got restrictions and I just, it's been hard for me to wrap my head around it. Just like, well, 1500 miles South. I mean, it's the same people. I mean, we're, we're on the same continent. We're human beings in the United States and here, we're both supposed to be first world countries. They don't care there. It doesn't seem like anybody's people aren't dropping dead on the streets there. Yeah. Like yet here, there's like a huge panic. And it's, anyway, so it's just been, it's been, I try to stay out of it, especially online because it's just a shit oh, show. Yeah. I mean, no. if you say, Oh, good God. <laughs> your, I mean, your mentions you and your comments. Any, yeah. Oh, like I've, I've really, I've been kind of, invisible on twitter since it's kind of happened because like I, an example would be like this guy sent me a message and i don't even know the guy and he's like hey you know what would you think sent it to me on instagram it was basically like a petition you know to because i think they were and i don't have kids so i don't know all the details but it was basically like they were thinking about you know if you if your 11 year old kid wanted to play minor hockey here in calgary had to be vaccinated and i'm like man that doesn't really seem right i mean from what everything i read kids aren't at risk i'm like this vaccine just came out and I'm like, I'm vaccinated and everything. I want to live my life how I have been. So I went and did it, whatever. Yeah. Each their own. And I'm like, that doesn't seem right. So all I did was like, just put this petition. I put it on Twitter. Didn't think much of it. This was about kids. And then I opened up Twitter like a day later, maybe. And I'm just getting torched like <laughs> anti-vaxxer. I think somebody called me a racist. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are these people talking about? All I'm saying is I don't think it's right that kids need to be vaccinated in order to play youth sports. That doesn't make any sense to me. No. And so I've just, honestly, I, that was the, I think I've looked at my Twitter mentions, honestly, since COVID hit. I mean, I did that day. Like I scrolled through and read a few. I'm like, oh my God, 
And other than that, maybe one other time. And other than that, I've basically been off of it. It is just a dumpster fire on Twitter. Yeah. It's a cesspool. Answer the question. It's shitter. Oh, it's just, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. And I know there's a lot of good people on, on Twitter too, all, all, like also. But unfortunately, in the, in the climate that we live in, it seems like the loud ones and the, the ones that make all the noise are all on the one side where it's, you know, call it Democrats or liberal or whatever. And it seems like kind of the other side doesn't, the majority of people, I don't think say a whole lot, but the ones that are loud or they're just bitching about everything. And she don't want things their way. It's just fuck. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not a politician. So I just stay, I try and stay. I just bite my tongue and just stay out of the fucking thing. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Vandy <laughs> does it too. He's, he's a lot like there, that. Listen, there is. And look, I've got what? 400, followers and they're half of them were three quarters of them are bots and i still like yeah. but i'm like i uh the, there's times when you're just looking and you go you type yeah. it in and then you're like nah i better not especially yeah. when you, you have a couple wines on a friday and you're going i'm gonna reply to this prick yeah no i better yeah. not i yeah. better not yeah it's yeah. just opening it right up and it yeah. never no, for you never, i couldn't uh, imagine oh i mean i got i think i, I i've been losing followers too like i ripped on trudeau there and yeah. a little while ago and i mean i don't give a shit i don't look no. at the follow i could care no. less i think probably at least a third of my followers minimum are fucking bots anyways and yeah. i don't give a shit and it's just like i mean you point out one scandal about trudeau i mean from all accounts of what i well, i'm not there it seems like it's true you read you know, I read Rex Murphy's columns and people that seem like they have their shit together and aren't just making shit up and you're just getting blasted and you're yeah. in, and it's just, I'm just like, I, and you can't even, you respond to one. It's just the fuck you'll be on, you'll be typing on your phone for the, the next fucking year straight. Just this, defending yourself. Something happened to me. I, I, I commented on something and the next thing you know what, they were like, the, the person that commented added like five other people. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't even, like, who are you aren't guys? They, yeah. I don't even know you. Aren't these the people that are supposed to be against anti, like anti-bullying? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah I felt like doing? I was getting bullied. I'm like, yeah. okay. It's good for one narrative, but not good for another. Oh, I gotta get it. Yeah. No, anyway, it's, uh, let's it's, get on. Yeah, it's interesting. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about Twitter for a second. But, like, I, I want to kind of get your thoughts, uh, you know, just before we jump into things about Robert Leonard. And and I was chatting with him on on Twitter and uh, you know, and I think what he's doing is really good. Like I fight mental health stuff and most, most of us do in this world, but, uh, for a guy that's a former player, um, you know, and, and seeing the way the game's going and the way, you know, the world's going and stuff like that, how good do you think it was for him to come out and kind of say what he needed to say? And I think in a good way, I know some people might turn it in a, in a, in a different way. And he had his press conference today, but what was your thoughts on that? Yeah, so kind of like I said, like I haven't really looked at Twitter, but I mean, that was national news here. So I, I saw the tweets that they put up on TV and so I read them and, yeah. you know, and some of the stuff and I saw Vigneault respond to it or whatever. And no, I, you know what, I I mean, I can't, you know, I've been out for a while. And, and so as far as his like, you know, I guess just from my perspective, like I really never, I, I can just speak from, from what I saw in my years when I was there. And I haven't been near a fucking NHL dressing room in a decade. So there's been a lot that's gone. The game has completely changed. It's completely different now. So I don't know exactly what's going on now, but I do think like, I mean, I, I got to give him credit. Uh, I mean, it's one thing 
you know, I guess I'll just put it, I, I can kind of tie myself into it. You know, it's, it's one thing from, you know, kind of what I did with Babcock and, you know, I'm done. Like it's, I ain't playing in the fucking NHL anymore. That, that ship has sailed a long time ago. My days are done. I wasn't looking for a job in hockey. I knew what I was getting into when I kind of went down that road. So I got to give him credit. Like, I got to say, like, if it was, you know, if I would have still been playing, I wouldn't have said anything on Twitter about anybody or anything to be brutally honest, unless some, like I I wouldn't have done the Babcock thing, so to speak. Yeah. Um, So I got to give him credit for coming out and, and saying those things, like, I didn't understand 100% what he was talking about. I know, he, you know, he's had his mental health stuff, too. And I think that's important to get it out. And I'm sure that makes him feel a little bit better. And who knows? It'll probably help some guys. As far as the pill stuff, like, those pills are dangerous. I mean, uh, for me personally, I took, like, I would take the odd Ambien. If, you know, when you're, when you're traveling around and you, you play whatever, you're playing somewhere, you got to fly, you get to the next city at three in the morning, got to play the next day. Like you do need help sleeping. I mean, sleep is obviously very important. Um, so I, t- I would take a pill every once in a while for that. But like, I, I never, I always avoided those things. Like, I mean, the Percocets and all that shit. That was just like, man, unless I like really, really need it. Like if I'm hurting, then I'll take it. But I'm not, I don't want to go down that road. Um, so no, I think it's good that he's, that he's outing it. I, I give him credit for for coming out while he's playing. I mean, yeah. that can't be, it would have ruffled some feathers for sure. hundred yeah. percent. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it makes some positive changes, then good for him and good for the game. Yeah, no, I think, and I think that, and that's what he kind of said in his press conference today, because he had the conversation with the NHL and the NHL PA where there's good going to going to come out of it. And what he said, he's like going forward now, he's not going to go out in the public and do this again. Like he's going to just fight the yeah. battle privately, which is, I think is, is also good, but you know, he did kind of walk back the Vino comments too and didn't. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so he kind of apologized for that too and, and whatnot, got spun in a different way than, than it did. But I, I I think it's good. And I, obviously it stems, you know, his relationship with Jack Eichel and, you know, how that's being handled. And it's kind of just gone on and on and on. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I come out on it is like you're in a – you just signed a two-year – two TV deals in the U.S. This guy is a, the face of USA Hockey – you know, in, in the U S and he's not going to be on the ice and he might not even play in the Olympics. So I think in his way of, you know, it seems like talking to Robert, like Robert Leonard's like, he's like, man, like this, this, this cat, this can't go on anymore. It needs to be fixed. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's that Eichel situation. Like I don't, I know Kevin Adams, but I obviously I don't, I mean, I talk to him every once in a while. Maybe like, I mean, I'm talking very sparingly. And the last thing I would bring up is what's going on with the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, yeah. you're not going to yeah. fucking share that with me. Yeah. But yeah, just, just from what I read and just a little bit that I hear, it sounds like just a shit show where, you know, they can't get on the same page with what he needs for a surgery. And obviously he wants out of there. And yeah, I mean, whatever it is, is, I mean, it's not helping anything either. I mean, obviously he's a top end player, a top end talent. And like you said, the face of USA hockey, you know, you need to get him healthy and you need to get him on the ice, but you know, this stuff isn't doing anything for his value and Buffalo is asking for the world for him, right? They want everything for him, but it's like, you know, if I'm the Calgary Flames, I'm like, well, what the fuck is exactly wrong with this guy? And is a, is he, you know, when is he going to be back or what does he need? I mean, it just seems like a fucking circus. So hopefully it gets figured out for the good of the game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That shit gets old talking about it. You know what I mean? I know. We've had so many. Look, I, 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 I thought about this today too, because I knew this would come up is, is the, do you think the media has kind of spun this? I know it's, it's, he said, she's, or 
I guess he said, he said, but you yeah. know, the media has kind of got a hold of this and it's been, it's quiet, the you know, off season, whatever, but you know, the media gets a hold of this and who knows it's, it goes yeah. the other way, right? goes one way. Know, with yeah. 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 You never know what the media, right? Like, I mean, they have a job to do too, right? I mean, they need Correct. to, they gotta, they need to talk about something, right? Yeah. And like it or not, you know, like, you know, drama, if you want to call it drama or some conflict, you know, people pay more attention usually to conflict, you know, yeah. what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if anybody's spinning anything or if it's just way more attention and I don't know, whatever it is, it just. Well, you're, you're the real, you're the real insider though. So what, what what's going on? <laughs> Jack's fine. Somebody <laughs> trade for him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Back by so, Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heard it here first. So, no, I think that's awesome. But uh, you know, kind of have you know a little do that there. But uh, you know, we're in Alberta. We're we get a lot of good downloads from Alberta here. Um, you're in Calgary. Uh, you know, thoughts before we jump into your career. Thoughts on kind of the the off season that the Flames had, and you know, what what do you think their season's going to look like here? You know, it's kind of tough, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be real interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, look, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm part of the flames alumni. I go to the events. I, I like Daryl Sutter. I really like Brad Trillabing. I like everybody associated with the organization, the players that I've met. I don't know them all. The guy that I knew the best is now in Seattle. Um, Giordano. Uh, yeah. so, you know, I know a couple of the guys, but I, by no stretch in my life, do I have a, into the locker room by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, I think it's going to be, it, it, it could be a tough one here in Calgary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a good year last year and yeah, you, you know, you got all the Colby shit going on, but regardless, it wasn't a good year. I think Gaudreau's contract is up, right? Correct. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of common knowledge that he ain't coming back. So you're going to have to do something with that, figure that out. And I don't know all the details with the, with the contract. And I think he's got, a, you know, a certain amount of teams or, you know, list of teams he can get traded to, which makes it, you know, which makes it harder to trade for him or trade him, you know, cause you I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, he's 90 points a year. That doesn't grow on trees. No. You want to get something back, but even just take away that, just the team itself. Uh, I mean, Markstrom, they got good goaltending. Uh, their decor is a, their decor and their depth on forward, I think is, is the question mark. I, I usually pay attention to decor, so I'll, I'll just focus on that instead of yeah. course, because I don't really know what the fuck they're doing up there anyways. But <laughs> like the decor to me is... Uh, uh, In all due respect, I mean, it, you got it, yeah, it, it's, it's tough looking. It I mean, yeah. look, I mean Zadaroff and, and Gudbrunson, yeah. look, I'm sure Gudbrunson's a good guy. I don't know Zadaroff, but this game is about speed. I mean... And, and these guys are making money. Like, and I think they were signed on like July 1st, which is, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. To me, the decor looks a little low on skill and a little low on foot speed for today's game. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, if I had to, if I had to, and I cheer for the flames. I mean, I like the Oilers too. At the end of the day, I don't give a shit. I mean, yeah. I like watching good hockey. That's all that matters. And I like when they, I like when both teams are good because it makes for better hockey. But uh, I think it's, it could be point night for Connor McDavid when they're playing the Flames. I'll put it like that. Yeah. Well, I, point night on steroids in a way. I did, point, yeah, like point yeah. night. Yeah. Like he's going to be. I did Dry like Shillington last night. Their lip. Yeah. What's that? Shillington looked really good last night. I mean, again, it's preseason and 
everybody's yeah. still trying to find their way but Chillington looked like he got a pep in his step. And, and eventually for him, he's got to break out, right? He's had a lot of opportunities there. And, is, uh, you know, yeah. but when you look at it, it's like you got you got Anderson, Tanev, and Hannafin, who's like your top three. You know, you know what you're going to get out yeah. of those guys. And, you know, you hope Anderson has a better year. But then after that, it is like, you know, it's sus- suspect uh, at, at par. It's very suspect. I mean, I guess a good way to put it, I mean, if Shillington can't make something work with this decor – I mean, uh, a- it ain't happening anywhere. No, <laughs> yeah, there's no. going to be, there should be plenty of opportunity with the way he skates where his skill set should be needed. And if he can't take advantage of that, then yeah, then it's, over. it's the same for Yusuf Valamaki too. You know, we've always talked about how good he is and up and coming. And we've had, you know, Craig Button on a lot. Uh, he was in Calgary there on our podcast. And, you know, him and I think glowingly about, uh, you know, Valimaki, and I know there's a bit of a bias to that because, uh, you know, Todd Button's a part of the organization too. And, you know, but I, yeah, to, even to what you said, like I, I got a lot of respect for Brad Tree Living. Um, he's done, yeah. he's done a lot for me, for my mental health and, and, and set me up, uh, you know, with uh, meeting Travis uh, Hamannick and, you know, him helping me out with my issues too in life and kind of the similar story there. So there's a bit of a soft spot for me. If anyone listens to this podcast, they know that too, but you know, and we've had Luch on too, who you know really well, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know think, Luch, yeah, uh, yeah. So and I think he's been on with us, and I just, I think you know, he's gone there, and he's actually done pretty well, in my opinion. You know, he's added something that they really needed in that in that organization and in that locker room too. So, a hundred percent, like that that trade was getting ripped up and down when it first happened. You know, Neil, and I'm boys with Neil too, yeah. Neil Edmonton and Luchik here, and. And I know it, it didn't work out so well for James last year, but his first year in Edmonton, he was pretty good. There, 19 goals until COVID hits, and yeah. you know he was he was he was playing all right anyway. From the, I don't watch every Oilers game, but from yeah. what I saw, at least he was scoring, and that's what he's supposed to do. But I'll tell you what, in my opinion, and, and you know, people were all over Luchik at the beginning, and maybe it got a little bit better around here. But I'm like, hey, this guy brings something that nobody else in this team does. Yeah, this team was getting pushed around. Just having him in the lineup changes that immediately. Hey, the guy is a team guy. He works his ass off. You know what you're going to get. Yes, I mean, is he going to be keeping pace with Connor McDavid out there? No, he's not going to. Not many yeah. can. Is he going to be a little bit slower? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But he gets in the right spots. He knows how to play. He plays hard. I think he's played. I think he's done great here, to be honest. I think he's over-exceeded expectations, in my yeah. opinion, for what a lot of people have thought. And, I, and you know, I just I, – that's just – I think anyone – that knows the game very well. Um, you know, you played, we didn't, but you know, they, they, you ha- even guys that like Vandy and I, like you have to would say that he's done really well. And, and the thing with the transit and the James Neal, you know, it's great to see what he's doing at St. Louis and hopefully that turns into something, something great for him. But what pissed me off there is that he scored two goals for the Oilers last year was finally fighting to start to find his way. He scored two goals and then he was a healthy scratch. And I felt like everything kind of from that point, went down and I'm not trying to be rude to Dave Tippett, but it's just like, he showed you something. He fought back some, some bad shit that he was going through with COVID apparently. And, and, you know, he's finally starting to find his way. And as you know, this guy scores at will. And I think the biggest yeah, thing in a cool. game that you need it. Right. So, uh, yeah. you know, thoughts on him, you know, what, what, what you, uh, what you think and the, if the yeah. fit works out in St. Louis for him. Yeah, you know what? I mean, yeah, to touch on the Oilers thing there, I was talking to James before last season started, yeah. and he was out in Nashville, and he was training and doing everything, and he wanted to go to Toronto, but he couldn't go to Toronto. Then Now I'm going to screw this up a little bit, but it basically, like, 
he got COVID. And then I think he was like in touch with somebody that had COVID. So he had to like quarantine for two weeks, couldn't do anything. And then he could finally get on a plane to get to Edmonton. Then he got to Edmonton. And then with the Canadian rules, he had to like quarantine for another 10 or 12 days or something. So basically he was almost a month where where he couldn't do anything. Yeah. Where he couldn't do anything. So that's, I mean, that's hard for anybody, you know, to, to do that and then to have to go into a, you know, short training camp and play a season. That's, that's hard to do. Um, as far as St. Louis, yeah, you know what? I don't really know their roster. I know he had a hat trick the first night. One of their, uh, I, I guess, I'm not sure what Glenn Wesley's title is with the Blues. A director of player personnel, maybe, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Wes texted me. I was shit-faced at a member guest in Sacramento, and he sent me a message, just said the real <laughs> deal. And I was obviously, there wasn't hockey on. We were playing golf, and it was in the evening. We were at, in the clubhouse, and hockey wasn't on in Sacramento. Um <laughs> And anyways, I was like, oh, what happened? He's like, three goals. So I met this James. He's like, yeah, I feel great. And uh, threw I out the tweet. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. That's right. I, was, yeah. Yeah, I forgot I did that. Yeah. Um, Back to Twitter. Yeah. And Glenn, yeah, I don't know. Glenn was like, yeah. I was like, I asked Glenn. I'm like, hey, is there a spot for him there, you think? He's like, look, I don't know. But he's like, if he keeps playing well, I guess you never know. So, But I've talked to James a little bit. And hey, as long as he can keep playing well. I mean, at the end of the day, look, he, if it's he picked St. Louis, he wanted to go there for camp. And at the end of the day, if they, if he plays well and they have a spot for him there, I think that's awesome. If there isn't a spot for him there, what he needs to remember is at the end of the day, like, Hey, if you have a good camp for St. Louis, everybody else is watching. So yeah. there could, something else could open up on a team yeah. you never even thought about. And all of a sudden there you go and you got another chance. So I think James knows that and he'll try and take advantage. Yeah, and there's obviously injuries along the way, and the Sens yeah. just and the Sens just had a big blow to their injury woes. With uh, I think it was Colin White got hurt in a preseason game, and it looks like he's going to be out for majority of the year with the shoulder surgery. Um, so that's a tough blow there. So maybe there's an opportunity to go to Ottawa. Yeah. You know, you never know. Yeah, you never know. And so um, Edmonton Oilers, quick thoughts on them. You know, they had quite the off season too. So uh, you know, yeah, spending some bucks there. Zach Hyman gets paid, but. Uh, you know, that, we'll probably go with the defense. And Vandy has a good question here after I say this one. But, uh, you know, thoughts on what they've done on the blue line. And, Vandy, you can take it over from there after. Yeah. No, I mean, I think her depth and D-line or decor has kind of been, I guess, sort of their weakness a little bit. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm boys with Ken Holland. I saw way too much of Ken Holland over the last two months. I was on about five of his golf trips. I, I will admit the first thing that came out of my – and I'm, I'm buddies with Ken. So yeah. this was – said in jest and but I was my first thing came out of my mind was right after Darnell signed I'm like Darnell nurse nine and a half for eight years and to me that seemed high and I know he had a great year last year and I guess you're paying him hoping that he can repeat that or you know come close to it and and keep playing like how he has and I like Darnell nurse I think he's a good play nine and a half million I will say when I first saw it I'm like oh my god that's a lot of money but hey good for him um, I think Ken's uh, from what now I don't remember anything Ken told me because I was having some drinks there at these golf trips too but I mean Ken wants to get after it right now I mean it's he wants to win now Darnell wants to be there he's a good player but he wants him there now Ken's only got so many years left he's getting up there he's been a general manager for fucking 30 years or whatever it is I mean, I mean he wants to, to try and get something done now so I, I like what they did uh, I mean yeah I mean gonna have to overpay a little bit um, it'll be interesting to try and try and make it work, but I like it. I mean, I think the Oilers are going to give, I think the Oilers are going to give Vegas a run for, for first spot in the Pacific. 
I think it's the Oilers, Vegas, and I think the next team I don't think is very close. No. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, same here. That's, maybe that's, maybe the Canucks, yeah. but that's a that's a maybe, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a maybe. Yeah, I guess if I had to pick a third, maybe I'd say the Canucks could maybe Come get on, in there. You but guys, no. <laughs> no, Jesus, no, no, fuck it. Vancouver finishes last. Yeah, fuck maybe yeah. Seattle. No, Seattle Geo, then your boy Geo. Right? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like Seattle. I, I like yeah, it better. I like it no better. Cracking. No, <laughs> we and Bosco we alluded to it. We say it all the time. You know what? That player, I, you know, Rupper, our co other co-host, we said what that player is going to mean to the dressing room. Um, I've said it the minute they signed Duncan Keith, whether they overpaid or whatever they did, it don't matter. I think Duncan Keith is not only going to help on the ice, but he's going to help more off the ice, maybe alleviate some of that pressure from, from 97 and 29, having to be the go-to guys all the time in the room, having the rah-rah, whether that's what they do or not. Um, I, I want to ask you, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on, other than you're a character and I, I, I love listening to you, watching you on social media, but I, I want to, when going back to your Calgary, you lose 2004 disappointment, you go into Carolina and albeit they got Mark Recchi, you know, they've got a little bit of pedigree. They got Justin Williams, you know, these guys up and coming, but they haven't won a cup. What what is your mindset going into the Carolina dressing room? That you know, what is said when? What does it mean when these guys um, are locker room guys? They bring something to the table. Yeah, um, sure. I mean, yeah. yeah go, ahead. go ahead. Well, first of all, I, I should have brought up Duncan. I can't believe I forgot to do that. I thought that was. I know it's kind of gotten ripped on a little bit. I thought that was an excellent move. I mean, that's what I think the Oilers need some, like you just touched on there. I think the Oilers need some veteran guys and especially on, on D and hey, look, yes, Duncan's getting up there in, in years a little bit, but I'll tell you what, I don't know Duncan great, but I spent a little time with him during COVID there because he lives out in Aramata. So I went over his place and we had a beer and, and bullshitted and stuff. And I'll tell you what, that guy loves hockey and that guy works his ass off. Like, so yes, he's going to be, his age might be a little bit up there, but his fitness level is going to be through the roof. I thought that was an excellent move. I, to be honest, I thought that was their best move was yeah. bringing him in. I mean, his, his resume speaks for itself. So he comes in there and the way he goes about his business, the, I mean, younger guys. And I mean, even guys like Connor McDavid and stuff, I mean, they're, they're still young, right? I mean, they're obviously they're excellent players, but they haven't won any Stanley cups. They haven't gone to the finals. Duncan Keith has done everything. So they're going to get to learn something from just, even if, and I don't know how vocal, I mean, you don't have to be vocal. I mean, even just watching Duncan go about his business. And Osmosis, right? About, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Just yeah. pay attention to what he does. You'll, you'll learn something. So I I love that move. Uh, yeah, as far as Carolina went, like, you know, I mean, when we went in, when I got traded into Carolina, so in between the Flames and Carolina there was a lockout year. Yeah. And then I got traded the day of the draft. I got traded to Carolina. And to be honest, I went in there and I didn't know shit about Carolina. All I knew was that in previous season nhl season in 0304 uh they were awful they were one of the worst teams in the league and then going into that year the year we ended up winning i think we were picked to finish like 28th or 29th in the nhl like we were supposed to be brutal but uh, i mean little jim rutherford did a great job he brought i mean we had veteran guys in there and i think one of the major reasons why we won is we were probably the quickest team 
to adjust to the new rules with, uh, you know, less hooking and the holding and stuff like that. But I thought having guys like we traded for Recky, we traded for Doug Wade at the deadline, you know, but having guys like, I mean, I, I mean, to be honest, kind of a comparison would be with Duncan Keith would be Rod Brindamore. Like when I went into, I mean, obviously I'd heard about Rod the Bod, never met the guy before in my life, but you'd have to be an idiot to go in there and not pick something up from this guy with how he goes about his business. I mean, that guy, I mean, he would have been, he probably would have been fairly close to Duncan's age back then. And like, it would have been mid thirties, something like that. Yep. I mean, that guy worked harder than anybody. Uh, he cared. Uh, he wasn't a big rah, rah guy either uh, at all, but he led by example. And when he did say something to you, which wasn't very often, at least for me, but you, you paid attention. And so, yeah, I think the veteran stuff is huge. Um, it, it's good to have, Obviously, you know, the game's changed a little bit. And, and yes, yeah, I know speed. And obviously, you know, the younger you are, the quicker you should be, by and large. But at the end of the day, you have to know how to play the game. You have to know how to win. And that's what veteran guys, especially successful veteran guys, extremely successful, like Duncan Keith, that's what you're bringing in him, uh, him in for. Uh, I, I thought that was a great move. I, I should have brought that up with the decor the first time there. All good. That well, it's such a big off season for them where, you know, sometimes you miss something too, right? Like, you know, they've had, they've, they've mm-hmm. Ken Holland's, I think he's done wonders and, you know, I, I, I know they haven't played game one of the season yet, but he's probably uh, definitely a candidate for uh, executive of the year with the moves that he's done. So uh, yeah, you heard it here, folks. There yeah. you go. Yeah, That's at, bold. The end, at the end of the day, Ken Holland, his record speaks for itself. It at the end of the day, I know you have to have good players, but. Uh, at the end of the day, Ken Holland knows what he's doing and he's going to, he's, he's been around long enough. He's seen enough. It's not everything where Ken knows what he's doing. Ken loves hockey. Uh, I mean, this guy, I mean, I, like I said, I played, I don't know how many rounds, too many rounds of golf with him since the beginning of August. And I mean, he's, he's on his phone. He's got things going. It's actually pretty amazing to yeah. watch him because he's got things going on and moving and shaking and stuff like that. And, no, he, he knows what he's doing and, and he cares. And so, I mean, if I had to pick a general manager in the NHL, if I was, if I was starting a franchise and, or whatever, if I won the lottery and started a franchise and I was looking for a general manager, Ken Holland would be at the top of my list. Yeah, perfect. That's awesome. All right, so I'll uh, jump into your career here. Vandy usually likes to start for where it started with, for uh, minor hockey and stuff. So, Vandy, take it away. Where you, you, Did you grow up in Fort Sask? You play minor hockey and all that? Yeah, everything there, yeah. Yeah, you played top yeah. top tiers? Yeah, and... so, yeah. so I yeah, I was uh, yeah, born in Edmonton, grew up in Fort Saskatchewan. I was there right till I, till I uh, went, to, uh, went to university. Um, but yeah, played uh, for the Fort Saskatchewan Rangers right through. Triple um, A, yeah, Triple A every, I mean, in my two years Bantam, uh, I played one year of midget Triple A, which was a total disaster. I broke my ankle. And, but being completely honest with you, and I think anybody that saw me back then, if, if you were to go to any of the games and like Bantam and Midget and watch, and if somebody were to be like, yeah, one of these guys is going to play 11 years in the NHL or whatever, I wouldn't have been high on that list. I'll tell you that. I would have been, it wouldn't have been, and I might've been near the bottom to be honest, but I, I loved playing. I enjoyed competing. I wasn't the greatest skater. I got a little bit, I, I was never even at my peak, but I got good enough to get by. Um, and then kind of, a for me, after my midget year was a catastrophe. And then I had a, in the base, uh, well, and I only played, you know, it's really changed now and for the last quite a few yeah. years now, but 
you know, back then, like there wasn't, I didn't play summer hockey. Like the last thing I wanted to do was to play hockey in the summers. I played a bunch of baseball. I played team Alberta baseball and I played for, we had great baseball teams. I was a way compared to my competition. I was a way better baseball player than I was hockey. That's it wasn't even close. Um, but then coming into my, so I was going into grade 12 and I was, I was drafted the year before, like in the last round to the, uh, Tacoma Rockets, which ended up moving to Kelowna. I didn't even know what that was, to be honest, when it happened. I'm really? Like, Rap? I had no clue. Yeah, we didn't now that, cause we're, we're about the same age while well, we, yeah, three years difference. So yeah, you, you didn't, you I only knew no of guys clue. that had gotten drafted after when they were young or whatever, yeah, signed it. or missed like, it or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember getting like when I was in grade nine and, and somebody came up to me, a teacher came up to me and said, Hey, congratulations. You got drafted. And I, I remember thinking, I'm like, what the hell is this guy drafted? I'm like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> and then, so anyways, figured it out and Tacoma moved to Kelowna and I went to camp uh, in Kelowna and actually had a pretty good camp um, as a 16 year old. And I was kind of on the bubble. My parents were both in education. My mom was the principal at the high school in Fort Saskatchewan. Um, but I was on the bubble. They're like, no, come back. Came back, did the midget year. The midget year was a catastrophe. Went back to camp the next year. Uh, the camp was always in Strathmore for Kelowna, right here in Calgary. And I had a great camp, actually. And I was on the team. And then they wanted me to stay. I met with Bruce Hamilton. And we want you to stay. We want you to stay. And my parents, uh, anyway, my, my dad scouts with Regina Pats to this day. So it's not like they're anti-WHL whatsoever. Yeah. Like. But my, my, and it's changed now. Like now, you know, you play some games in the, in the WHL, you get, you know, you get CIS. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. So you can go to school, things are paid for. Back then it wasn't quite like that. And my mom got the horror stories, you know, like, you know, Ray Whitney, for example, you know, he went, he goes to Spokane, comes back and like, you know, Ray went to class and everything, I think, but, you know, he come back and like the credits don't transfer or, you know, or guys don't go to school school or whatever and so you know they don't end up graduating high school so that was the perspective my parents had so my they pulled me out of there they said hey look we're, you're finishing high school at home if you're good enough to make the Kelowna Rockets you should be good enough to play in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and play for the Fort Saskatchewan Traders play there a year finish high school and then once you're done high school you can do whatever you want so that's what I did I went and played for the Traders uh, had a good year there and, another- and then you take a 180 you don't even go to the dub <laughs> No, well, yeah, so I was hundred percent. Like I had tears in my eyes when I left, like when I was on the team and I left, like I was upset. Like I wanted to stay. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so go there. And then like a month into the season, I still remember our, our head coach came down and uh, he's like, I think I've told this story before, but he's like, Hey, BU's upstairs. Uh, they want to talk to you. You should get up there right now. I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck is BU? So I go upstairs. <laughs> I go upstairs. Like I have never watched a college hockey game. I have no idea what university. I don't. I couldn't name one university. No clue. I, I don't. I know nothing. So I sit down with this guy. It's the assistant coach, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, you ever thought of playing college hockey? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about." And so he hands me the pamphlet and BU, Boston University. I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I've always thought about college hockey. Don't have a fucking clue what this guy's talking about." And so once one comes, then like some more came and anyways, North Dakota came and they wanted to fly me down. And I didn't know what that was either. I'm like, well, I'll ask my parents. And they're like, no, no, I mean, make sure it's good with them, but it's just you coming. Your parents aren't coming. And you know, I'm 17, just turned 17 years old. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. So I went on a fly down and, and honestly, 
I, I went down there and I'd been to a few WHL games and some, just like college hockey, some places are awesome with fans and some aren't the greatest. I mean, it's the same thing in college, but went down to North Dakota. I mean, it was the only division one program in the state at the time. The rink was packed. The team was good. I went into that, to the old arena there. I mean, you know, it's universities, so there's women everywhere. Everybody was loaded in the stands. It was an unbelievable, I mean, it was an atmosphere that I'd never seen before. And I remember just going in there and, you know, was there for the two games. And I was like, wow, I'm like, that is unbelievable. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going, like, I never, can. like, I never. We didn't, though. That's the thing. I, and that's what I try to tell even, like, parents that I talk to. I coach youth hockey, but I'm like, when we grew up, it was WHL. If you didn't make dub, it was AJ. If you didn't make AJ, you played junior B. And that was it. There was no college. We didn't. We no. didn't get college games on TV. We, we, and we're kind of aging ourselves now, but we didn't get introduced to that. It, college wasn't even a, it was a glimmer. Wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, and I just, like, I never, like, playing professional hockey was, like, not on my radar until the year I got drafted. Like, I, that was not even a thought. I'm like, Okay, that well, was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, not even a thought. So I was, so I'm sitting there looking at it. I'm like, you know, I love playing. I enjoy doing it. I'm having a good time in the fort playing for the traders. I would love to go to Kelowna, but then I'm kind of thinking like my mother, I'm like, well, I'm like, well, what the fuck? I'm like, you know, North Dakota, I just had a great time there. I can get an education. So I, why don't I go there? I'll play for four years. I'm done school. And then I'll have a degree of some kind and then go on with life. That was, that was my thinking. Like it wasn't, Professional hockey was not on the radar at all. My freshman year there, like they won in the year before I got there, they won a national title. So I came in and like, I was very, very rough around the edges. I'd never lifted a weight in my life. Like I was, I was 18, just turned 18. Well, I was 17 when I got there, turned 18 in November. And, you know, I'm playing again. I mean, these guys just won a national title. The average age of the team was, I mean, my, my freshman roommate was just turned, was three years older than I was. He was 21. And so like, I'd never worked out. I, I'd never done a bench press. I'd never done a squat. I'd never, I'd never done anything. I mean, we didn't work out. There was no, it wasn't a gym. Yeah. So it was like an eye opening experience for me. Um, and then, yeah. So freshman year, like I dressed quite a bit, but didn't really play. And we had, we had a really good team. And then my sophomore year was kind of when things, a couple of defensemen graduated. And so I had an opportunity to play and first kind of got going and then kind of, I still remember it. It was, we had a Christmas tournament. We were playing against Notre Dame and I was still kind of, I was doing okay. I was running some people over, but that was another thing too, is like when I went, to, I didn't think about it like this when I went, but when I went to university hockey, I think a lot of the scouts thought I was a pussy because that was kind of the, you know, I'm six foot four, 225 pounds, a defensive defenseman, you know, that should be sort of tailor made for the WHL back in the day. And then I decided to go to college where there's no fighting and, so I think a lot of people kind of thought I was a pussy and, but like, I would just, I wasn't thinking about professional hockey. I was just, I was thinking about getting a degree. That, yeah. was, that was literally it. Um, and then Christmas time, uh, we played Notre Dame in a Christmas tournament. And I remember I scored a goal and it was nothing special about it at all, but it was my first goal in college. And I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was like a, like snapping my fingers. Like the game was so fast for me in between my ears. And then for whatever reason, I scored that goal. And I remember from that point forward, like the game slowed down in between my ears. And then I started playing better. And then I started, then the rankings started. And then that would be the first time 
once the central scouting rankings came out and then I was ranked like, I forget what it was. It was like, I don't know, 30th in North American skaters. And, and then I was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I guess somebody likes me or whatever. That's good. And, and then I went to the combine tested for New Jersey, tested really good with New Jersey. I wasn't going to go to the draft because my thinking was, I'm like, well, my, I'm in North Dakota. I don't have any money. My parents are in fucking Fort Saskatchewan. Boston is on the other side of the continent. I'm like, I don't want to go to the draft, bring my parents and spend this money to go out there. And then, you know, I don't get drafted or, you know, I'm supposed to go in the second round and I end up going in the seventh or something like that. I'm like, I, I don't think I'm going to go. And New Jersey told me to go. They're like, Hey, you have to go to the draft. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I told my parents, I'm like, they're like, are you sure? I'm like, look, I'm like, I don't know what else you want me to say. New Jersey, Lou Lamarillo literally Lou's told telling me, me to go. I, have, I gotta go. Yeah. 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 I have to go to the draft. I'm like, yeah. I think I should probably go to the draft and we, we need to get there. So we ended up going, I ended up getting picked in the second round and, and then played one more year of college, won a national title and then turned pro. Do you know, so, but yeah, but it was not planned. None of this at no point was pro- professional hockey was not on my radar until I guess I, I mean, I guess getting drafted, it wasn't even really on my radar with the central scouting. It was professional hockey. I guess once I got drafted, once I was there and I got drafted yeah. in the second round, then I was like, okay, maybe, you know, somebody sees something in me. Maybe this is a possibility. Do you, do you think going the dub route, you would have had a different path or a different outcome? Do you ever ask yourself that question? I don't Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's a great question. I have. Like I have, I've, I've, I've thought about it. And then I've, I've had this conversation with like a few people, you know, it comes up and, and yeah, like it would be, it'd be interesting. I mean, it'd be awesome if you, cause could. you would have been a stud in, in the dub, so to speak. Right. But, but get maturing, you said you were rough around the edges and it would, been, it would be, yeah. I mean, if I could, it would be really, it would be awesome if you, you know, I took the route that I did. And then if, you know, you go back in time and then try it the other way and, and stay in Kelowna when I'm 16 or 17 or whatever and play there. And I mean, I remember going to camp in Kelowna there. I mean, we walked into the locker room and it was, I went in there with Todd Fedork and I, we played minor hockey together. So I was buddies with Todd. I mean, Todd was a killer. I mean, he, he didn't really know, none of us knew how to fight yet. I mean, we, we our, when we went to camp in Kelowna, that was our first, like, you know, we grew up playing hockey. He's from Redwater. So we flew, we played hockey together yeah. in the, uh, whatever, in the minor hockey. And so, you know, there's no fighting or anything, but like Todd would destroy people. Like, I still remember to this day, I mean, he was, I mean, his nickname's The Fridge. He was literally a fridge and he could skate in a straight line. I mean, he murdered people he'd hit people i'd be like oh my god i hope that guy gets up <laughs> and it was clean like it wasn't yeah. dirty or anything but yeah like it was todd fedoric purington i remember walking in and i mean these guys they ripped purington in like old english letters on his back scott parker who they had to tell like at camp <clears throat> they told i mean this guy was six foot four 240 pounds of pure muscle they told him at camp they're like hey you're not fighting. I mean, you know, there's kids like me there with like my parents in the stands. Like they told them, you're not fighting anybody at camp here. Don't even think about it. Yeah. I remember in an exhibition against them, he was coming up the ice. I was playing D, you know, I didn't really think anything of it. You know, I'm like, well, and he kind of had his head down and I actually, I, I, I drilled him at the, 
at the blue line. I mean, I caught him pretty good. It was clean and everything, but I caught him, grabbed the puck, went the other way. And I was kind of, I moved the puck, take a couple strides. And all of a sudden, whack, right on my ass. He slashed me. I turned around and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't want anything to do with this guy. But that was the end of it anyways. But yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I think, you know, taking, let's say like, you know, I stay healthy like I did in college. If I would have stayed healthy, I think it might have been better. This is just a guess. I think I might have been, I think I might have been a better pro if I went to Kelowna, yeah. if that makes sense. Because yep. I think like college was awesome for me because there was, you know, I needed to develop. I needed to get stronger. You're playing two games a week. You're working out all the time. There's tons of practices and that was good for me. There's no doubt about that. But on the other way too, with the dub, that's more of a professional style of hockey. You know, it's, you know, the physical part of it with the fighting and stuff. Like I would have had, more experience with that, you know, as I'm 17, 18, 19, you know, I would have gotten in there. I would have learned how to, and I ended up being okay at it, but at no stretch, like during my career, was I ever real comfortable fighting? Cause I, I didn't really fight. I mean, I fought in the AJ, but then nothing for three years. And then now I'm, I'm a pro and I'm six foot four. So the guys I'm fighting are guys coming out of junior that have been doing this for the last four years. So yeah, I think it'd be interesting. It, it would, it's an interesting yeah. conversation. If I had to guess, I, I do think I might have been a better pro because I would have had more confidence on the ice with the physical stuff quicker, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, it definitely does. But why? <laughs> you made it either way. It don't matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not complaining. <laughs> that is a great question. I have thought about that, and I've talked about it. I'm like, man, I wonder. How I've always wanted that because we have that. You know, we've talked, but I talk about it with Rupp and and Brody. You know, which which way is best for kids, and it doesn't. I think we talked about it on the podcast. Which way is it? College is it? Junior A is it? Whatever. And, yeah. You know, it's just development wise. Like, I I think it depends on the player, right? You yeah, were destined. The way you said it, you were destined to play pro anyway. Yeah, it worked out. It, it is yeah. interesting, though. I, I think, you know, I won't – I think back then – I won't speak for right now because I don't have kids. I'm not really involved. But I think back then, I would say that if your goal if, – if you were a top-end, high-end talent and you, you had professional hockey on your mind, I think – the WHL was the way to go. Yeah, I think if you were hundred percent weren't, you know, if you weren't a top end guy or whatever, and weren't, you know, maybe a late bloomer or whatever, then I think university hockey probably would have been a better way for you to go. I, I think, but at the end of the day, I think it's a case by case. It's, I mean, there's a million different variables that go into it. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, you go to the dub, I mean, you don't, you, you, your coach better like you, you know, you, you need some luck no matter where you go. So, yeah. yeah. It's so, an interesting yeah. question for sure. Yeah, no, it is. It is for sure. So, so you, you get drafted by New Jersey. Um, you know, how was that, you know, playing for Lula Morello, one of the, another great general manager, but uh, how was your yeah. time in New Jersey that you felt like it was? Uh, yeah, it was, it would have been, it was good. I mean, it yeah. was, it was awesome. I mean, my first, I didn't play. I was there for two years. I was, I, w I went up and down, whatever that highway is between Jersey and fucking Albany. I don't know how many times <laughs> I ended up playing base. I think I played like, I played 50 some games in the minors for Albany and I played 50 some games for Jersey. I was basically split 
Uh, I had a bad, bad eye injury, my ninth game pro. That, that was awful. That was the scariest moment of my career. I thought it was over. So that kind of put the brakes on things a little bit my first year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, my, my first NHL coach was – head coach was Larry Robinson. And my D coach was Slava Fatisa. So oh. <laughs> as far as like, like they just won the cup in 2000, I came in the next year. So as far as like spots and like to play, it was shitty that way because yeah. then you got Scott Stevens, Scott Niedermeyer, Ken Danico, Colin White, Brian Rafalski. It's like, stud, stud, stud. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It's like there ain't a whole lot of space on this blue line. But for, like, development-wise, like, Larry Robinson really liked me. I wasn't around Larry a whole lot of time, but he did teach me a lot of stuff. He was great. I love Larry. And Slava was great for me, too. I, I loved Slava. He's the reason why I ended up in Russia. Um, it was awesome that way. I think uh, it would have been – if I could do it all over again, I would have loved to have gone to New Jersey when I was a little bit older because I wasn't ready for the – the way Lou runs his program, and I'm not arguing with Lou, his track record speaks for itself. But, you know, I came out of college, like, like oh, I'll just speak You're to raw. college guys. You, yeah. I was raw. It wasn't so much like the, yes, the, the games and stuff were challenge practices and stuff, but like, it was a lot of the off-ice stuff. Like, I wasn't sure, you know, now I don't have any class to go to. I got lots of time, and now I got some money. And, like, I wasn't – it would have been, I think it, it, I would have been better being there like three or four years later, maybe. Um, but it was good. Like <clears throat> Lou had some interesting rules. I had some run-ins with them, which the guy's like five foot two, but I'll tell you what, that little fucker is intimidating. Yeah. Um, and he liked me at the end of the day, I ended up getting traded out of there. I mean, we did, we had a coaching change my second year. We brought in, uh, the fuck's his name Constantine Kevin Constantine yeah that was a disaster for me because I just like Larry liked me so I you know I, I somebody got hurt or there was an open spot on the number 60 and and I finally started like playing like 15 18 minutes a night and starting to get it going a little bit and then coaching change and Constantine came in to this day I've never exchanged a word with Kevin Constantine he came in it was like I wasn't there never said a word to me which now looking back, I don't give a shit. But at the time when I'm 22, it mattered. I'm like, now I, I went from playing 15, 18 minutes a night, chop, done, press box, no explanation, no nothing. And I didn't handle that properly. And that ended up being the reason I missed a curfew in Atlanta and had a few drinks and Lou found out about it because I came home and my motto was, if you're going to miss curfew, don't miss it by 10 minutes, miss it by three hours. Yeah. And that's what I did. And the belt boy remembered me because I had red hair. Lou checked in because he came in late. Oh, you seen anybody in the uh, anybody come to the lobby? Yeah, some big guy with red hair, busted. And then I was out of there at the end of the year. So it was a good experience, though. And it, there was there are obviously some things that I'd like to do differently, but overall, it was a good experience. And, and some of my buddies to this day are from from those two years in New Jersey, so it's good. Yeah, no, it, it, his his stories are interesting. Like his his uh, rules. You know, even like he would get a goalie stick and give it to the guy at the desk and be like, hey, like, you know, because hockey players will sign anything. So he's like, yeah, get these guys to sign it after 10 yeah. o'clock. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, who yeah. Would the next day. oh, who missed curfew? Yeah. yeah he, like had a, some, he would do that? Yeah, that was one of the oh, things yeah. he would do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was it's amazing like how, like, horrified, like, especially looking back now, like, 
you know, they had just won the Stanley Cup in 2000. I mean, this was a veteran team. Yeah. And, you know, like, and the young guys, like Scott Gomez, rookie of the year, Austin Flair, had a great career. And, like, it's, it's, it's amazing, like, looking back every once in a while, I think about it, and, like, guys were horrified of him. Like, it was, like, ooh, lose around. Like, it didn't matter who, like, except, except maybe, like, Broder and Scott Stevens. But, like, everybody was, like, oh, lose here. And it was, like, walking on eggshells. And I'm, like, Jesus, really? Like, looking back, I'm, but, but I understand. <laughs> like, I do get it. Yeah. But that guy, he, I mean, he rules with an iron fist. And, like I said, you can't, probably the proudest moment of my career would have been, I, I would say, yeah, it was the proudest moment in a little two second being proud, probably the proudest moment of my career. So I got traded out of there, went through some things or whatever, and then ended up in Carolina. And when we went in, into the playoffs, we played New Jersey in the second round and New Jersey had just, they had won like their last 12 games of the regular season. And then they swept the first, they were on like a, it, honestly, it was like a, I want to say it was like a 15 or 16 game winning streak. It was over 10, whatever it was. Yeah. They'd won a lot of games in a row. Yeah. And so we were, an, we were an underdog. We were the higher seed, but we were an underdog coming into that series and we beat them in five games. And so Lou did his like coaching thing where he came down and coached again. So he was coaching the team. <laughs> and so we beat them in Carolina. And so you do the handshakes or whatever. And I remember to this day, you know, I shook Lou's hand. I went, hey, you know, Mr. Lamarillo. And he, and I remember him saying, he goes, Mike, I'm proud of you. And honest to God, it was one of the proudest moments of my career for sure. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's yeah. a – you hear a lot of good stories. Obviously, he's got his rules. But I, I even remember uh, the year they went to the cup final against the L.A. Kings. Uh, I was working at – my uncle owns a nightclub here in Edmonton. And so the Devils had the rookie party in Edmonton. I don't know how many teams have the rookie party in Edmonton. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So, but the Devils had theirs. And – the whole team was out that night and you know he was pretty he wasn't there what but nightclub he, uh the ranch roadhouse so, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah had a few in ones yeah, yeah i've was, been in there yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so uh the old barry t's uh place the barry old, uh, t's yeah. yeah i remember that yeah so yeah, uh, you can't argue with his track record Lou no. was and you know what he is uh it's, he never forgets anything too. At the end of my career, like, you know, you get bought out by Columbus or that's a total shit show with Scott O'Neill. And, you know, anyways, I'm looking for somewhere to, and looking to go somewhere, do something. My agent calls New Jersey. I'm like, I don't know, call Jersey. Like uh, maybe, I don't know. Lou's still there. And he called and, and it, Lou said something along the lines of like, Hey, I like Mike, but I traded him out because he missed curfew. And so my agent tells me that I'm like, would you, would you tell Lou that was 12 fucking years ago? I'm in my 30s now, for Christ's sake. Anyways, New Jersey. Memory like a, yeah, he's a huge Oh, man, yeah. For sure, yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm a Leaf fan, so obviously there's, uh, you know, what he did to get them turned around and there's the back yeah. situation, whatever it is, what it is. But, yeah. you know, I think what Lou did, I, I, I in a way, actually, I think he kind of got shafted and pushed out of Toronto. I think, uh, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Shanahan or, or Dubis or anything like that, but you know, I. No, I think but, you're you're heading down that road. Well, I just, probably on the, I don't know either, but you're probably on the right track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I just yeah. felt like they were transitioning because he had some some interesting rules there. Like the first year Matthews and Marner played, they never did any media. Like that was a rule. He had rookies that wouldn't speak to the media. They wouldn't do intermission interviews. Nothing like that. It was just as a Leaf fan, you would know that because believe media is yeah. Leaf media. So yeah, but. Uh, 
You know, so you go well, at the end of the day, you know what he's thinking there. I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's trying to protect those guys. And Correct. The media is a shit show. And you got young kids. And 100%. the last thing he wants to do is fire his young kids out in front of a bunch of savage media members. That yep. God knows what they're going to ask. That's going to be a lot for them to handle. I mean, at the end of the day, he, he 100% knows what he's doing. And even, I mean, some of the rules, I will say, are a little archaic. But at the end of the day, I think 99% of the time, well, 100% of the time in his head, he's, he has your best interest in mind. Yeah, yeah. He's what he thinks is your best interest. Exactly. Yeah, no. And uh, we talked about Robert Leonard early in the podcast. And Robert Leonard only spent one year there in the island with, with the Islanders. And he said how great Lou was for him and, and his mental health getting back on track. So uh, you go to Calgary, you know, how was that? Obviously you guys go to the cup final, you play with some really great players there. Jerome McGinley, a good friend of yours too. So uh, Giordano, yeah. but how was your time in Calgary, uh, you know, playing in a Canadian market too? And it, would you say maybe going there kind of put you on the map, you know, kind of gave you a little bit more cred around the league too. You know, a lot of people kind of maybe noticed you a bit more too. I know there's always the like, hey, he's got the big red hair, but you know, I thought you played right. pretty well when you got there too. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, I would say for sure. I, I mean, I I thank I mean, Craig Button. We mentioned his name earlier. I thank Craig every time I see him to this day. I thank Craig Button for trading for me because the year before, so the old two o three year, you know, I, I got the summer before I got traded to Anaheim. It was my first running with Babs that didn't go very well. And I was in Cincinnati and it wasn't handling things well. I was supposed to be in Anaheim. And to be completely honest, I was drinking too much. I was playing. I was playing hard, but I was drinking too much. And there was nowhere for me to go there. Like I was in big trouble there. And I didn't think I was going to get traded. My agent had no idea. I was on the bus in between. I think it was Milwaukee to Chicago. And right at the last second, phone rings my agent. Hey, you've been, or no, my agent didn't call me. One of the guys on the bus turned around. One of the, my teammates turned around and said, hey, congratulations. I'm like, for what? Like, you just got traded to Calgary. And anyways, that, thank God Craig did that. Um, and then, yeah, got in there, finished that year in Calgary, which they were terrible that year. And then spent the first half of the, of the next year where we went to the finals in the minors. Uh, came up, but it was, it was, it was good. Yeah. Calgary was awesome for me because the reputation that I had. And then when I got traded here and then I ended up spending the summer here because of Babs's comments in the papers, people had an impression that I didn't work out and that I didn't care. And I, so Calgary was like, Hey, if you want any hope of making this team, you got to stay in Calgary for the summer. And at the time I had a lake place in Minnesota close to where I went to school. And I was like, all right. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, fuck the lake place. I'm like, fine, I'll move here right now. So I stayed here, moved, worked out with a strength coach all summer, which was awesome for me. Had a good camp. There was no space. And then the second half of the year came up. I blew up my shoulder, but finished the last few games of the year. And then we went off on that playoff run. And yeah, no, I would say that that was definitely the, you know, I, I played you know, I, I was just happy to be there. I mean, I yeah. tried to make the most of my opportunity. I mean, I was expected to keep the puck out of my own net and be hard to play against. That was my do that. And, you know, my role as the playoffs, you know, I didn't play the first three games of the playoffs. Then either Lidman or Goche went down. I came in and then the next game, the other one of those two went down and Steve Monitor came in. Monitor played the rest of the games of the playoffs. I played them all until Lidman came back, and then I didn't play the last three, so I missed the first and last three games. But yeah, no, I mean it was it was huge for my confidence. Daryl was great for me. Um, you know, some guys don't really like him. He could be hard on guys. There's no doubt about it. But uh, he was good for me. I mean, I never mind. I liked hard coaches. I was like, yeah, you want to call me a pussy, and I won't do this. Like, you know what? Here, I'll show you. 
And so fuck I, you. I, I enjoyed their, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, fuck you here. And you know, <laughs> and there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot expected out of me either, which was good too. But you know, I, I was playing 20 minutes a night against Vancouver. Once I got into the lineup, we ended up winning that series in seven. Then we played Detroit and my, my minutes got cut down to probably 14, 15. We won that series, went to San Jose. Then I was probably playing like, call it eight minutes maybe. And then going to, uh, we went into Tampa Bay and I only played the first four games and I only played a couple shifts a game. So my role diminished as it went, but I, I didn't care. I was happy to be there. Every time I tried, tried to touch the ice, I tried to be responsible defensively. And if I could take a run at somebody, I would and, and keep the puck moving forward. Don't turn it over, get it out. Um, but no, it was great. I, I think it was kind of, as far as other teams in the league and other scouts and stuff watching, I think it was, it was big for me where, wow, well, shit, this guy's playing pretty decent. It's playoff hockey. Maybe there's something to this. Um, so yeah, I would say Calgary was, Calgary was definitely a big point in, in getting my career going for, for sure. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously as we know, Craig's one of the, the great guys in the game, you know, there's a lot of, a lot good, a mm-hmm. lot of good ones around. And, and the, the, the red flow with the red mile went really well. Remember that red mile? There was like a website hey, yeah. when the flames, yeah. this is before social media, I think even yeah. kicked off. It was like, Oh yeah. Red mile. And the, yeah. it was, it was amazing. Like the, the, the city during that run, like I was in the international hotel right downtown from the time oh. I got called up. So I, I got called up in January. Yeah. And they finally, the flames kicked me out of the hotel, like on July 1st. Cause like, you know, we lost on like whatever it was middle of June, let's call it. So we get back to Calgary and obviously everybody's disappointed, but, and it sucked. But at the end of the day, it was also a great run. We were number six seed. We were yeah, supposed yeah. to lose in the fucking first round. And we went to, we went to within, you know, arguably, we might have won the fucking thing if, if we had a camera over top of the net. You I think Jonah, yeah, you guys did Jonah. Yeah. You can make an argument there, but yeah. Um, so it was a hell of a run. And uh, yeah, down to Calgary was, I never actually made it to the Red Mile. Um, like we would, I would hit the, you know, during the series, I mean, it was all hockey. I mean, I was to yeah. the rink. I was either going on the plane or I was going back to the International Hotel and I would, you know, obviously grab something to eat, but that would be about it. But we'd usually have, you know, three, four, five days in between series. And then I'd take, depending on how many days we have, I'd, I'd take a night or two and blow it out. But I never went to the Red Mile until after I was going to go on, uh, after we beat San Jose. So we beat San Jose at home. And so, you know, I was buddies with all the Black Aces because the Black Aces were the guys in the minors that I played with the first half of the year. And there was like a handful of them that were in the hotel with me. And so... You know, I was kind of, I don't know, I guess I was kind of sort of the leader of the Black Aces because I was, you know, I was playing, but I was with them. And so get done the game, back to the hotel. I'm like, fellas, let's fucking go. I'm like, hotel lobby, we're smashing some drinks and we're going to the Red Mile. They're like, all right. So we go down there and we get down there and, you know, hammer a couple real fast because I'm probably about 30 behind everybody that's out on the street there. And a couple cops walk in and they're like, you know, obviously I stood out because I had long hair. And a couple of the cops come up. They're like, hey, Mike, congratulations. Big win. I'm like, yeah, thanks, man. That's awesome. They're like, where are you headed tonight? I'm like, we're going to the Red Mile. And the, the police were like, they go, hey, can you do us a favor? I go, yeah, sure. Anything. What do you need? They're like, you can go anywhere you want to go tonight. Just please don't go there. I'm like, what? they're like, you're going to show up there. You got your long hair. You look like the fucking clown. 
It's going to cause a riot. Everything's nice and it's good. And we, they just, we don't need more action out there. Can you please just go anywhere else? What? So I'm like, ah, fuck. I'm like, all right. So I went to Cowboys. And yeah. Was fine. Come. Anyway, Next I'm not thing. crying. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. Was, but yeah, I never got to experience, but yeah. And the draft. Oh, shit. We, we were talking about it, like the whole playoff run, like the, you know, they had those, you know, the, the website there and like girls flipping up their. Yeah. Like we used oh. to, after every game, we would, me and a buddy, we, we were on the order desk at our company and we'd, okay, what, what's the red mile got for picks? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, you well, you weren't the only one. Everybody in our locker room was too. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> we were all we're like, well, look at this. Yeah. Like computer in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was awesome. fun. Yeah. Awesome. Get those get that kill count up as uh Scotty Upshot likes to talk about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes that. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so you go to Carolina, you win the Stanley Cup. Um you know, we kind of talked about it earlier, but, uh, you know, I guess talk about that series you guys had with Edmonton, you know, you know, as Oilers fans, they say if Dwayne Rollison didn't get hurt, they would have won the cup. But, uh, you know, your rebuttal to that comment that most Oilers fans have, Andy's shaking his head, but, but uh, sure. how did that go? And, you know, did you guys see that being a big, obviously was a big momentum thing for you guys, but still went to game seven. So um, thoughts on yeah. your guys' you know, thought process in that series when that happened? Yeah, from from our end, we knew it was going to be a tough series. As far as the Rollison, Dwayne Rollison actually told that right to my face too. That fucker. Uh, he told me twice. He told me at the World Championships the next year we were on the team. He's like, "You're lucky I got hurt." I'm like, "Whatever, Dwayne." And then when I went to Tampa, he was there. He said it again. I go, "Dwayne, you told me this five years ago. Nothing's changed. Whatever you say, Dwayne." And I like Dwayne. Yeah. My rebuttal, 100. percent That was a huge moment. There's no doubt about it. Was Dwayne playing? awesome yes he was there's no doubt where the the oilers were actually basically the old four flames pretty yeah. much yeah yeah i mean an incredibly hot goaltender timely scoring a hard team to play against it's pretty there were a lot of similarities between those two teams in my eyes anyways um it was a huge moment i mean the conklin thing with the turnover that was obviously a big moment too but my rebuttal to Dwayne was uh, what was the other? What was the Finnish kid that played? I forget uh, his name. Markinen. Markinen. Yeah. UC Mark. Yeah. UC Markinen played great. I mean, you look at his numbers. Why in the percent. fuck did we put Conklin in? <laughs> that, yeah, I love Ty Conklin, but yeah, that was probably a yeah. It didn't work out. Yeah. But Markinen played great. So my response to Dwayne was like, I'm like Dwayne. No doubt, you were on fire. Were you going to stop every fucking shot? Because marketing played pretty fucking good. So unless you were planning on having a 1,000 save percentage, I don't know if you're beating us. Yeah. Anyways, I like Dwayne's great, dude. Yeah, but it, yeah. I mean, it was a tough series. I thought we had it. Uh, I mean, it was really fun for me being, you know, from Edmonton. And my parents lived in Sherwood Park. Then they'd moved from Fort Saskatchewan. So my parents came to the games. I bought up any extra tickets that were available for us. I just, I mean, I honest to God, I didn't make... That was after the, the the bonuses got cut in half after the lockout. Yeah. So I ended up getting a check for the exact same amount when we won as when we lost with Calgary. It was literally the same dollar amount. They cut everything in half. And I didn't make any money. I spent all that money on fucking tickets. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just buy tickets and I'll give them to my buddies from home, whatever I can get. And my only rule was, I'm like, hey, fellas, I know you fucking guys are cheering for the Oilers. I go, I get it. I'm like, just 
don't fucking show up in an Oilers jersey, please. Like these, you're going to be sitting amongst my parents and other people's parents. Just cheer for the Oilers, but keep it under your goddamn breath, please. Yeah. And then with my parents, my only rule was, I'm like, hey, look, you guys can go to the games. I want, obviously, I want you at the games, but I'm like, don't you even fucking consider wearing a fucking Carolina Hurricanes jersey. You wear anything else, do not wear a jersey because the last thing I want right now is to be trying to play in this goddamn game and worried about you standing oh, up there. Yeah. To, yeah. I'm like, you know, I mean, Edmonton is a blue collar town. People Jesus, I wouldn't even beers. have thought of that. Oh, I was one of the first things I thought about. I'm like, <laughs> wear normal clothes. And I'm like, hey, you can cheer underneath your breath. That's it's just fine. But please enjoy the game. So it, it was really fun that way. They got to come to all the games there. And hockey-wise, I mean, it was a good series for sure. Obviously, when we won game four to go up 3-1, that was big. And then uh, I thought we had it in the bag in game five when it went to overtime. And then we had a power play. Obviously, I wasn't on the power play. And I remember sitting on the bench and I'm like, fuck, there's about a 30%. I mean, we had a, we had a talented team and we had, we had a bunch of guys that could fucking score. So I'm like, I was sitting on the bench and places going bananas. And I'm like, man, there's a 30% chance this thing's fucking done right here. And then Stiller put it on the ladies tees there for old uh, Pisani and he put it under the bar. Game six back in Edmonton, that game was over in the first five minutes. Like first 10 minutes, I could have told you. I remember sitting on the bench and I'm like, this game's fucking over. Every time we even came close to touching the puck, we got run over. We got just straight up bullied right out of the building. And probably, they probably actually, looking back at it, they probably shouldn't have beat us up so bad in game six. It was actually a good thing for us, for us I think, that they did. Because, I mean, we took that to heart. It was like, we just got embarrassed in game six and we're going back for game seven. We are not fucking losing this game. And it was a great game. And, and yeah. I mean, Cam Ward made some huge saves. I mean, the Oilers could have won the game too. There's no doubt about it, but we pulled it out. Yeah, I was gonna. Add, that was my next question because you know Don Cherry always talks about never run the run the score up. You know, especially in the playoffs times too. He kind of he's always very you know cautious about it. It's like a superstition Cherry has. And yeah, yeah. I've heard him say that before too. Yeah, I think and he said it after that game. Actually. He and he did. Yes, he did because he he yeah. you know obviously they're a hockey. It's a hockey night kind of thing, and they want the Canadian team probably to to do good and win whatnot. Oh, but I think I think in yeah. in that mindset though, you're kind of like. You know, it's weird because I just play rec hockey and, like, I hate when our team runs it up. Like, you know, if we're killing a team, just yeah. – like, and it's rec hockey, not even professional. Right. I coach right. youth but, hockey. Yeah, yeah. You run that shit up. Uh, see, I'm the opposite because I – Yeah, exactly. So, so what, when, what was the mindset after that game, though? Because obviously you guys went on and win game seven, but what was the conversation in the locker room? Was anything said on the plane ride back to Carolina? wasn't anything from the record my memory's a little hazy i don't there wasn't anything i think rod said something ah i think rod said something after the game it was very short yeah and it was something like we're winning at home it was something along those lines the there was nothing said on the plane ride it was it was quiet like there was there was a lot of that's a long ass plane ride too and it was it was quiet and then there was Rod said something. I think it was before Game Seven. Rod wasn't a big. I love Rod. Rod's the man. In my opinion, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, Rod never be. said much, but he he 
made it abundantly clear that we need to be fucking ready to go and we're not losing this fucking game. I mean, it was yeah. basically, I can't remember word for word, but it was something along those lines. And that's, that's the one thing about having a, I actually like the, the, the leaders of the team. If they don't talk all that much, if you got a guy that talks all the time, sooner or later, you start tuning them out. When you got a guy yeah. that leads by example and doesn't talk a whole lot, when he does actually say something, you fucking pay attention. Um, so yeah, that was kind of, we were ready to go for that. For that game, game seven, yeah. for sure. Yeah, we were ready to rock. But I mean, it was probably the coolest game. Even like take the obviously the result was awesome, but take the result out of it. It was it was an amazing game as far as like you know we're in Raleigh, North Carolina, so you know it's basketball and football country, college sports. But man, they love the Hurricanes. Don't get me wrong. They not all of them know exactly what's going on, but they treated. I mean, they treated those home games like a college football fucking tailgate. So by the time it got to game seven of the finals, like I they mean, knew what they were doing. Yeah. Noon, yeah. Oh, they knew what they were doing. <laughs> like we'd be leaving. I'd be leaving after pregame skate in game seven. I remember leaving and the parking lot was fucking packed. I'm yeah. like, holy shit. The, the game doesn't start for seven hours. And so pull back in. I mean, they were ready to rock. And the rink was, I mean, it was slammed for warmups, obviously. It was loud. And then Aaron Ward scored a couple minutes in. Yeah. I think it was in the first five minutes, I think. Yep. And they stood up and they did not sit down for the rest of the fucking game. It was, it was pretty cool for sure. Yeah. yeah. And how was your Stanley Cup day? You know, how special was that? Uh, you know, did you bring it back to Fort Saskatchewan, uh, obviously Edmonton area and all that? How did that go? Yeah. Yeah. It went good. Um, it worked out pretty good. Like Ray Whitney was on the team, obviously, and Ray and I are both from Fort Saskatchewan. So that was cool. So we ended up uh, pooling days together. Ray and I talked and I'm like, no, Ray's like, why don't we try and get our days together? And I'm like, Ray, I'm like, we'd be crazy not to. I mean, the less that thing has to travel, the more time we have with it. So yeah, it, it was cool. We went out long story short. We flew out on a Friday night. Friday was Doug's day. Um, this was like middle of August, middle third week of August, something like that. Doug had it in St. Louis and it was supposed to come in uh, the next day on a commercial flight. It wasn't going to get to Evans because you got to connect right from St. Louis. It wasn't going to get in until like two in the afternoon. So Ray was like, fuck that. He goes, let's get a plane and let's go get it. You want to come? I'm like, yeah, I want to come. I'm like, you're paying. I'm like, I ain't paying. Fuck. Yeah. I've been in the league for 15 years. Yeah. I just got my first one way. I'm making league minimum here. I'm like, I'm not paying. He goes, I got it. So Ray and I flew down to St. Louis. We went to Doug's party, which was awesome. Uh, six in the morning rolled around. We're like, Doug, hope you had fun. We're out of here. Grabbed the cup, jumped on the plane, flew back to Edmonton. Ray had like kind of his family time with it. So now it's Saturday morning. Uh, Ray had his family time and he had like a party uh, out in Josephburg. Um, that night I went to that party. And then the next day we took it out to uh, Vancouver Island. Ray was involved in the golf course. We buzzed out there quick on the plane flew back and then my kind of official time started at noon on the Sunday. I had like, I don't know, probably 10 buddies from home um, at my parents' place. I rented a party bus. And my thinking was, I was like, you know, we could have, you know, we could have a good time in Edmonton for sure. But I'm like, uh, I'm like, we just beat the Oilers. I'm like, uh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, I live in Calgary. We just beat the Oilers. We're going to be hammering drinks. I'm like, we're going to go to Calgary. It's just going to, I don't want, the last thing I wanted was, you know, we're out at night getting after it. Right. And then somebody says something to one of my buddies and my buddy flies off the handle. I'm like, fuck that. Let's go to Calgary. We'll be in good shape there. So we did a pub crawl down to Calgary. 
hit a few spots. And then uh, we had to bring it back the next morning for Cam Ward. He had his day in Sherwood Park. And yeah. then I had talked myself into – when I was in college, uh, the Dallas Stars won, and Ed Belfour went to the University of North Dakota, and he brought it back to North Dakota for a day, and I was there then. And I thought it was cool that he did that. So I always thought, I'm like, you know, once I'm like, well, I'm like, if it ever happens, I'm like, I'd like to do the same thing. So I talked to North, the University of North Dakota. I'm like, hey, look, I'd love to bring it. I, I talked to Carolina. They're like, we can give you the day on Tuesday. And so uh, UND is a big uh, flight school. It's a, big, it's a huge pilot school, aviation school. So I'm like, hey, I'm like, I want to bring it here. We can do a thing at the rink. But I'm like, you guys got to send a fucking plane. That's the only way this is happening. So my dude was a pilot. He had a bunch of money and a plane. Flew out, picked me up, jumped, grabbed me and my parents. We flew out to North Dakota. Had a little thing there. Kind of buzzed around Grand Forks to a few places I used to go and have a beer once in a while. Um, And then flew it back to... uh, back to Edmonton, and then it was Andrew Ladd's time. He had to go out to BC. So, it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah that's it was awesome. Good time. That's Nothing awesome. crazy happened, which was good. Like, but yeah. it, was, it was a really good time. It was it was amazing. Like, it was a Sunday night in Calgary. I really didn't have – a buddy of mine from high school ran a Joey Tomato or Joey's up in up by the airport in the Northeast. So I had a thing set up there, um, you know, for extended family and stuff, just for like an I'm hour Barlow. and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then – you know, I was just jumping on the bus, me and my buddies, and we're just going to go downtown. I didn't have anything planned. Uh, and it was amazing. Like, so we left there and we picked up, I mean, we like tripled in size there. There were people following in cabs. And then we, so we went into, well, Red Mile, but it was dead. It was a Sunday. And we walked, went into Melrose, it was called. And then there was yeah. like one person in there and maybe a bartender. Like I, I didn't tell him I was coming or anything. And within 30 minutes, that place was fucking before slammed. social media, <laughs> before social media, there yeah. was no Twitter. There was no yeah. nothing. Yeah. It was packed. There were pictures of beer flying. I don't even know how much beer we went through. Unbelievable. It was a good time. Yeah. That was fun. That's was awesome. Fun. Melrose is it's a good place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good place. All right. So yeah. I'll get a few more out of you here before we let you go. I know we've gone long here, so I apologize. Sure. No, it's okay. Yeah. No worries. Um, so obviously, yeah, you get traded to Ottawa. Uh, just play a few games there, twenty six games there. So, um, but you spent it, uh, quite a few years in uh, in Columbus and make some good friends there. Uh, you know, you know, talk about your time there. We've had Jason Chimera on our podcast a number of times too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, talk about you know him as a teammate and and your time in Columbus. Uh, you know, how how did that go? Yeah. Chimmer was a great teammate. He was a high energy guy. He had a great career. I love Chimmer. I haven't seen him in a long time, which I, I know he's up. I think he's up in Sherwood Park, isn't he? Uh, he I think he bought a house uh, in Glenora. Oh, he's in Edmonton. Yeah, in Edmonton. Yeah, in Glenora. I think he's yeah. in Glenora now, kind of where Connor's house is. That, uh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think he can't he's tell in- where these people live. So <laughs> he's in Edmonton. <laughs> I heard he bought a place in Canmore. I haven't seen him. I need to go golfing with him. I I, I really liked him. He was a great teammate. He was we'll hook you guys up. Excellent player. Yeah, yeah I got I got to I got to go play some golf with him one of these summers for sure. He's a great dude. I haven't seen him fucking forever. But yeah, um, yeah, I loved Columbus. Uh, like I chose to when I was a, I was a free agent. And it was kind of you know this was back when you had to play a few years before you got paid. Not like now. Now you. Now you put it together in a year and a half, you're fucking rich. Yeah. So I finally made it to 27 and, you know, I'd won a couple of years before and I had a good year and 
So this was kind of my time to try and make some money. And uh, so free agency came. I had no idea what was expected. Like Carolina traded me because they didn't want to pay me. I didn't even know what I was worth. Like if you would have asked me, I think if Carolina would have came during the year, they had a policy of not extending players during the year. Um, I think that was more, they just didn't want to pay me. I'm not sure if that was actually a policy, but yeah. um, I mean, I probably would have signed in Carolina for a couple million bucks for three, four five years. I probably would have done that. Like I had no clue. Yeah. And so free agency hits and uh, had no idea talking to my agents and anyways, uh, long story short, 10 minutes into free agency, you know, my agent, I was in San Diego. I was dating a girl there at the time. And he's like, well, I got some good news for you. I'm like, Oh, what is it? He goes, well, he goes, the first number's a three. I'm like, no shit. And he's like, yeah, it's a three. I'm like, how many years? Like two. He goes, it's going to be at least five. I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so I ended up having three teams. There was Columbus was interested um atlanta was interested and buffalo was interested but never made an offer i actually could have made i ended up signing a five-year deal for 3.75 in columbus i could have signed the same thing but for four year in atlanta but i like being in carolina we always played against atlanta nothing against the city of atlanta i've had a good time in atlanta but i hated playing in atlanta yeah. there was nobody at the fucking rink that rink was brutal so I'm like, I don't want to fucking play there full time. That arena sucks. So I'd only played in Columbus one time. I'm like, I remember the rink being nice. So I'm like, I'm going to go with Columbus. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. I had, yeah, I mean, it was highs and lows there, to be honest. My first year in Columbus was, it was the first time the Blue Jackets ever off. It was my best year as a, as a professional hockey player, for sure. That was the best I had ever played. Um, yeah, it, it was awesome. It was the first time I ever like bought a place in a city I was playing in. So I had a nice setup there. Like I was five minutes from the arena, 15 minutes from the airport, right in the mix, right in between the arena for anybody. Most people haven't been to Columbus, but the downtown North, North end of downtown is awesome. Ohio state's right there. I mean, it was really fun. We had a young team. We had, you know, some up and coming guys, you know, Borachek, Broussard, Nash was there, who was yeah. an incredible player. Yeah, the, the first year in Columbus was awesome. Um, you know, played against Detroit. We ended up getting swept in the first round, but it was a success nonetheless. Um, and then, you know, it went down. Unfortunately, it went downhill from there. I found it was the most I'd ever played. I was, you know, me and Jan Hayda were the top pairing D on the team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I was playing 20, 25 minutes a night against the other team's best lines. And the last... 15 games to the year fuck I was so tired like I could barely get up the ice and so in the off season I'm like well fuck I, I gotta switch this is a huge I've got four years left on my deal the team's getting better so I talked to like Chris Chelios and Rob Blake and I'm like you know I need to switch something up like I'm playing minutes that I've never played before like what should I do and they all recommended this guy out in Venice Beach so I went out and spent a shitload of money went out to Venice Beach did this workout about for the entire summer, but a month into it, I was like, man, I don't know if this is for me. I was like, you know, my thing was always like, I didn't need to get bigger. I was yeah. big enough. If anything, I needed to, I needed to be as light as I possibly could be. So I could be as quick as I could possibly be. Anything getting me heavier and slower is a bad thing. So anyways, long story short, 
I kind of thought that a month in, but then, uh, you know, I'm committed. I've rented a place. I'm out here and I'm like, well, this is coming highly recommended. So I'm, I'm, I stuck through it and I did these workouts. It was basically like bodybuilding. I did these workouts the entire summer, got to camp, tested worse than I did the year before. I was shocked. I never worked this hard in my life. Yeah. It just wasn't the right thing for me. Tested worse and had groin problems. For the, o- the only time I've ever had groin problems ever in my life was that season. So I played 60 games that year. Expectations were higher. Oh. I had bad groins. I could hardly move. Hitchcock got fired, which was bad for me. And then Scott Arneal came in the next year, and that was fucking it for me there. He came in. It was sad, actually. Like it was, it was a shitty deal. He, he, he had a rough, he had a rough I, go there, and that was, but, you know, he he had a rough go, Scott Arneal. Like you know, he all fucking rights, and he deserved as rough as it was. That motherfucker came in. Scott Arneal had a had, he had a very good hockey career. He played like seven hundred games in the NHL, and I think he played like seven hundred in the minors. Yeah, Scott Arneal had kids young. He had a family and everything. That's great, but in his eyes. It took me a while to figure this out, but I did. It took me like a year and a half after the fact, but I figured it out. In his eyes, he didn't get paid enough. So he gets a head job in the NHL. He came in, and I was excited when he got hired because the D coach was a North Dakota guy, Brad Berry. So I was, I texted Brad. I'm like, hey, man, I'm looking forward to the season. This will be, I was back on my training, you know, what I did before. I'm like, hey, looking forward to it, this and that. And I could fucking tell right away. Not right away. I get, probably by the end of training camp, he came in and his attitude was like, I'm going to get fucking even. Like, I didn't make the money that I thought I should have when I was playing. Look at these fucking guys now. And so who's going to be the fucking number one target? Well, I'm the highest paid defenseman in the organization. I'm 31 year, 30 or 31 years old, and I'm fucking single. Yeah. So he had his – so I was scratch, scratch. I mean, it was a disaster. And then I ended up, I was got there middle of the year and fuck, I haven't been back since. Yeah. So it was, I really enjoyed Columbus. I tell when anybody asked me like where my favorite place to play was, I mean, every place was good. Don't get me wrong. But uh, like when you bring it all together, like as far as like city and a lot of it has to do because I like actually was set up there. Like I had a place and everything. Yeah. I, I loved Columbus, Ohio. If Columbus, my son's Ohio, a, Columbus, my son's a Blue Jackets fan. Don't ask me how or where or yeah, what. That's pretty rare out here. He yeah. wants yeah. he wants to go to a Columbus game. I'm like, first of all, it's going to take us four days to get there. But yeah, so I'm going to have to hook you up for places to go to eat oh, or whatever. Yeah, you yeah. should. Columbus is. Uh, I I had so much fun there. It was it was a great place to be, to play. The arena was awesome. Like I said, it was, if Columbus, Ohio would have been on the Western half of the United States, I, I probably would have, I'd probably still be living there to be honest. I, I really enjoyed it. It was really, wow. that's probably the awesome. biggest, the biggest downer of my career. I would say the most like disappointed I've been is when, you know, I was whatever halfway through my five-year deal there when things went sideways there and it was done. That was probably the most disappointed I, I was in my career because that was something that I really thought that we could make work, and I really, really loved it there. And I tried to make it work as best I could. It just didn't work. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. And we've had like I know it happens. It does. It does. It does. You know, not to name drop again, but uh, you know, Doug McLean. He you know had a start there, and and we've had him on several times on our podcast, and you know he 
you know, it kind of talks about it. it's a bit rough. He kind of got the short end of the stick, and Jarrett Glant did too there, and you know, and yeah, yeah we've had Gilbert Brule on too, and and uh, it's just you know he Gilbert Brule feels like if they showed a little bit more patience in his in his game there, maybe things would have ended better for him, and he would have prolonged his career much longer. But you know, it's just it's yeah. uh, it's just is interesting how it is, you know, and and. Uh, yeah, I grew up that watching that team because of Brule and, and whatnot. So and you guys had, and I know yeah, that God. you guys had a really close team. Just talking to guys there, I know Brule wasn't there when you guys were there, but you know, there's a lot of you know, you see wedding photos like Jared Bowl, like that's a uh, a guy that you, you yeah. know very well, and just one of a, one of the great guys, right? So in the game, great dude, yeah, like awesome guy. Uh, literally five minutes before I came on the podcast, I yeah. was I was texting on a group message with Jared Bowl and. Jake Borachek's back there now too. Jake, yeah. my roommate on the road when I was there. Yeah, some of my best friendships are from there and keep in touch with a lot of the guys. And yeah, I got a, yeah, that was the one. It's a soft spot. Thing, in yeah. yeah, it's a soft spot in my career. That's one that I would really, I really, really wanted that to work. I really, really enjoyed it there. I love the guys. It, yeah, it's, it's just too bad. Yeah. But I got to go back to like, I'd love to go back. I was, fucking pissed off for a while obviously like i was rattled and now i now i don't i mean fuck who cares it's yeah, a long cool. time yeah. ago i'd love to go back and, and and hang out there for a few days and yeah, yeah. it's you, a good there a lot of it too a lot of guys get on all the time what? like guys always want to you know like the i don't i don't know i don't like the but that's weird like a lot of guys and, shit on it but you hear yeah, stories I, where a lot of guys still live there though that have like played there before so it's like you know, it, it something doesn't add up, or you're not really hearing the full story, right? A hundred percent. Like I, I don't, from what I saw from my time in Columbus, and from what I saw the city and and the people around there, like I don't get it. Like with Bobrovsky, I mean, I know Russians like to go to Florida and New York, so I, yeah. I guess I understand that. Sure, fine. But like when guys want to leave there, like I don't know. I from what from what I've seen and, and my experience there, uh, I don't get it. I, it'd be That'd be a, I mean, that would be a fucking fun place to win. I'll yeah. tell you that. It would. It'd be fun. Yeah. Really, yeah. really fun. Yeah. 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 It'd be fun. So, uh, and obviously, KC, yeah, no, it would be. And, uh, you know, the closeout uh, um, as well, it's well documented everywhere. Uh, going to Detroit and, and Babcock doing whatever Babcock did and all that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to bring up back old wounds. You can talk about how, as much as you want. Well, about you just it, did. But, well. <laughs> yeah. Bad. It's yeah. not even yeah. a wound for I mean, you, though. That's no, it, like I'll be honest. I think I think he's, you know, I one hundred percent. I'll just say I one hundred percent agree with your opinion because you know I've seen you know some of the shit that he said and done and and all that. I'm a Leaf fan and stuff like that. And the mar the martyr thing is the martyr thing and all that. But you know, I just in my opinion, I just think where where, where it is is he just he has this image but it's not it's an image on tv but it's not the image that you would see behind closed doors i guess i don't know if that's the right way to word it but um you're on he's a i'll give him his credit look mike babcock knows hockey i'll, I'll give him that yeah and i think we can all agree on that hockey. yeah 100 he knows hockey he cares about hockey he loves hockey he works his ass off he runs a good practice there's, I am not, I, I can't sit here and say he's a fucking terrible hockey coach. Cause that would be a lie. Yeah. But he's also, I mean, he's got a psychology degree from McGill. Uh, he tried to play. It didn't work out. He wasn't good enough. 
So he got into coaching right away with his psychology degree. But so my point with that is he knows how to fucking manipulate people and he knows how to fuck with people. But the bigger point is what you see on TV. I mean, he, I mean, A, he loves TV. There ain't a fucking interview that he'll ever fucking miss. I mean, he, his, he, and I haven't even, thank God, and I hope it keeps going this way. I haven't seen him since he was the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Thank God, because yeah. his ego would have ballooned when he got that job. National TV every day. I mean, in professional hockey, what's the biggest coaching job? Yeah, Toronto Maple the Leafs. fucking Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could maybe make an argument of maybe the Rangers in the U.S. Maybe, but no, it's the biggest job in hockey is the head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's that's end of story. So his head would I mean his ego on national TV interviews every day. But the the short he's a fucking terrible person. Yeah, he is a bad fucking person. He treats people like fucking trash um and that doesn't even have anything to do with me like i, oh, I no, it, honestly up yeah, and yeah. down oh up honestly and down, it, like it, ushers it, in the arena oh yeah it, it doesn't wasn't even in detroit for very long no i know it, it, but it even you but that's a thing is like more it's you know like getting to do this podcast I've, I've been very fortunate enough to get to meet some players and, and meet some media members and and whatnot along the way and it's just i guess at the end of the day it's you just don't hear a good story about him you hear you know no just what you hear is what you hear no. and you know and obviously i know he tried to do the um you know re-image myself mike babcock to yeah. bc and i don't think that were that way yeah you know, and no, I don't, well, and you burn that many good. bridges. If you burn that many bridges, you you can't do him any. It didn't do him any good, right? And then I know he went back. Tour to ain't gonna first. help you. Yeah, go ahead. He, he's Sorry. just he's so arrogant that, like, when he was doing his rehab my image tour, and I sent a couple tweets about like what, and like I didn't even really have to say anything because every time he opened up his mouth, it was like he basically he couldn't help himself. He, it was like. There was no like, hey, you know what? Like, if he would have came out and been like, hey, look, like, yeah, you know what? I, I 100%, I, ma- I made mistakes. I treated people poorly. You know, I, I got to be better. I'm going to change and just leave it at that. Who knows? I mean, that would have been more well. He turned it into like, I'm the victim. Yeah. And so I'm like listening to some of this shit and I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm like, I'm just going to let this guy, I don't even have to say anything. Just let this guy talk. He's digging his own grave. Yeah, because he just can't. He everybody's showing up to the arena to watch him. That's what he thinks in his mind. Yeah, what he says go like, like I said. I mean, there's the Mike Medano story. That's the story that I tell the quickest to just show what kind of a person he is. Mike Medano's on 1,499 games, and Bab scratches him so he doesn't get the 1,500. But like, it was when I signed in Detroit. I already had the one run in with him like eight years earlier, eight or nine years earlier, whatever it was. That didn't go well, but that isn't even whatever. He wanted to play somebody else, a kid, Turk Sauer, that went to Spokane where he coached. Fine, whatever. That shit happens all the time. Whatever. It was a big deal at the time, but fuck it. Then when I went to Detroit, and I've told this story a couple times before, so I'll keep it short, but you know, I get bought out by Columbus next day. I'm, I'm buddies with Ken Holland. I played in Ken Holland's golf tournament over Vernon this summer yeah. before. So my agent calls me. I'm thinking I'm waiting until August to maybe get a fucking PPO or hopefully, I, I know maybe if I'm lucky enough, I might get one more chance. There's one more crack at this and then that's fucking it. 
maybe there might not be another crack at it i don't know five minutes into free agency phone rings agent yeah one year one million bucks detroit it was a different agent from eight years earlier so i'm like i'm not fucking going there i'm like mike babcock just wants to end my career he's like what so i kind of tell him the story i got 15 minutes ken gives me 15 minutes to make up my mind and the contract's gone so i'm like well fuck so i call ken i'm like ken i'd love to play for you i'd love to play in detroit you guys got a great team i love coming in there i'd love to play in detroit I'm like you know what i think your head coach does he want me or not yes he does give me his phone number i call babs and flat out ask him i'm like hey i go do you want me on your hockey team or not yeah 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 i go babs i go i ripped you in the paper i know you saw it three years ago i go do you want me on the hockey team on your hockey team or are you just got having me in here to end my fucking career this is it for me it's my last chance i get one more kick at this if this doesn't work out my nhl days are done i know it you know it no 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 we need you no right hand blah blah, blah a bunch of bullshit anyway shows up i show up at camp i'm scratched the entire year it's a total fucking disaster but when I went in there, I was like, so I showed up. I'm like, okay, I'm like this motherfucker. I'm showing up like in as good a shape as I've ever fucking been in. So I usually played at like 2.30. I showed up there at 2.24. I was fucking ready to go. I'm like, I need to make the most of this. I'm, I don't need anything special, but there was a couple defensemen there that I'm like, man, I think I'm fucking better than them. I just need a chance. And I was shocked. I guess I shouldn't have been shocked, but I, my, I'm like, Whatever happened in the past is the past. Show up there, shut your fucking mouth, and play yep. hard. That was my attitude. Yep. That was it. There's no, I'm not fucking talking to anybody about old shit with Babs or nothing. I mean, this is a clean fucking slate. And I get in there, and I didn't even say a word. And I would say three quarters of the fucking team. Most of these guys I had never met before. Three quarters of the team came up to me and were like, man, we fucking loved it when you ripped him in the paper. This guy is a fucking piece of shit. This and that. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, oh yeah, well, thanks. I'm fucked. <laughs> oh, I'm like, these guys fucking hate him. And it's like, like, and then, you know, people that rip me on Twitter or whatever, like, oh, you fucking hard coach. It's not about that. Daryl Sutter was a hard coach. Like, it's not about that at all. But it's, he was, terrible fucking human being yeah. that's what it was it wasn't because he was he was hard on players it, it wasn't that at all i don't even think he was that hard on players it was the fucking around that he did and the fucking mind games and the it was basically yeah like i said he, he thought everybody showed up to joe lewis arena and to scotia bank or whatever they call where the leafs play to see him yeah. that's what it was and yeah it's unfortunate yeah but yeah no, I don't, uh, yeah, fuck him. Yeah, no, no, I, I, uh, I tell you what, I, I don't like seeing people get fired, and you know, yeah, people fuck up and everything like that. I get that, and but I'll tell you what, with that guy, fuck him. That guy made his money. He got all his fucking opportunities. He's got his fucking gold medals. He has a Stanley Cup. I'll tell you what, as far as I'm concerned, fuck that guy. Yeah, I, I hope nobody else. There's other coaches out there that people can fucking. Well, hire I, I just think it, it, and that's what I was going to get to. I think when you're out of the league for such a long time, I think that kind of just you, you you just kind of get passed up or forgotten about, and you know it. You go away off in your sunset. I know he's. I don't know if he's got two or two more years left on his ticket with the Leafs or whatever. But it, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it works out because, like, he's still getting paid six million bucks or whatever by the Leafs. Correct. So, yeah. You know, and if if anybody wanted to sign him, they got to pay him market values. They're gonna have to pay him five million of that. How many teams are gonna want to do that? No. It'll be 
it'll be i mean obviously i'm on one side of the fence i hope he never gets another fucking i don't think he deserves another job in the NHL. that's just my own personal experience it'll be interesting to see and there are that de- contract so, stuff yeah you never know yeah but i, I but, you, you know, know. And, and and that's where i think like i you know the game what they went through with covid you know their owners it's not like the owners have like a, hey the owners got a lot of money i agree but you know they're they're still tight with money right now, you know, so, they're, and they're billionaires for a reason. Those guys become billionaires, not by throwing money out the door. Oh, no, exactly. You know, but I just think when you're out of the league for such a long time, you know, you're kind of getting forgot about. And I think that's what he was trying. I think he tried to do what he tra- did by getting his name back out there and nothing's happened. Like he, there's so many, there were, especially this summer, look how many co- new coaches got hired going into this year and he was never rumored into anything. And I know that there was like, you know, he's, I, and I think it's all PR thing. Cause he's like, okay, hey, I'm going to go back to the college thing. Well, you're going back to the college thing. Cause there's nothing in the NHL for you. In my opinion, that's just the way I, it's I think a, it's a PR move. He'll be the best guy in Saskatoon and yeah. he'll be, he'll go out of his way to fucking the players and treat them. Fucking, it's all a fucking PR move. Yeah. I will say at any point when I, you know, and, it ended up being kind of a lonely battle there for about six years on Twitter. I'm like, God damn it. I'm like, with some, I know everybody fucking hates him with somebody's backing up a little bit. And it took him getting canned in Toronto for a few people to say something, but it was a lonely battle for a while. And to be honest, it, it did get tiresome after a while. Cause I'm like, it did, you know, do I hate Mike Babcock? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do I hope he gets another job in the NHL? No, I fucking hope he doesn't. I, I he doesn't deserve one in my opinion. I mean, after the first couple of years or year, like, well, when I started, did I, yeah. I, mean, I don't fucking I know care. Where you're I'm, going. Not yeah, fucking, yeah. I'm not bitter anymore. Like, fuck it. <laughs> like, I don't care. Yeah. And like, if anybody would have came up to me and, and been like, Hey, like, you know, maybe, maybe you should cool it a little bit with the tweets and on Babcock and shit. Like I definitely, depending on who the person was, especially if they were in hockey or whatever, I would have, I would have probably cooled it or at least considered it. But I'll tell you what, I've not had one person, not one, and I'm not going to name any names or anything, but I'm talking general managers. I'm talking fucking other coaches. Not one person has ever said, cool it. It's been the exact opposite where people have messaged me that I haven't heard from old coaches and shit like that. that are like, we fucking love it. Fuck that guy. Yeah. So anybody who's met him, anybody who's met him when the cameras aren't rolling, knows exactly what i'm fucking talking about yeah 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 yeah. no and i uh, i agree to that we all like it's everyday life we all know those people maybe not in the public eye but yeah yeah there are people like that in every walk of life there is yeah and the johan franzen one was a tough one to read too and and you know that would that and that's a and that's a big guy in the game right and played for yeah really rich and you know original six team and you know, and, and you had oh, he was a back. great player in Detroit too. He was yeah. unbelievable. Under, the, mule, the mule, right? He was, uh, he was yeah. when the two years they went to the finals when they won and went to the final out the pit. He was a fucking great player. Yep. Yeah. He was fucking horrified to go to the rink. He was. Yeah. Babs fucking with him. Yeah, and that's yeah. just yeah, and the Mitch Marner stuff, and you yeah. know, so yeah, all there. So um, to finish off, uh, two things here before we let you go. Uh, you go to the KHL. Um, you know, we've had guys on that have been on this podcast before and talked about their time in the KHL and very and spoke very glowingly about it. And I, I, I don't know what your yeah. experience was, but uh, 
you know, you go there and, and I got a funny question that Vernon Fiddler sent us. So I got to ask that at the end. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so, so talk about uh, your time in the KHL. So, yeah, it was good. Uh, long story short. I mean, it was, I trained all summer. I, I played the, the one time I got an opportunity to play for team Canada in the world championship, well, team Canada period, but uh, was the world championships in 07. Uh, it was in Moscow. And I really, the only reason why I got an opportunity to play is because the tournament was in Moscow. And I think a lot of the good, good defensemen didn't want to fucking go to Russia. So I'm sure they went down the list and finally they're like, well, fuck, maybe this guy will come. So I was pumped. I'm like, I don't give a shit where the tournament is. So I went, I had a good time in Moscow. It was an eye-opening experience. There's no doubt about it, but it was a good experience. And so when I was, when I was done in North America, I trained the summer and I'm like, well, fuck, I still want to play. And for whatever reason, I was, I was only interested in going to Russia. I'm like, I, I want to play in Russia. So Slava ends up getting me a job on an expansion team in Vladivostok, which for people that don't know, and most people probably don't, most of the, there was 28 teams in the league then. Uh, the entire league is basically on the western half of Russia or in Europe. Vladivostok is on the Pacific Ocean right next to North Korea. So our we played four games at home, four on the road, four games at home, four on the road. Our, I mean, there's a bunch of fucking stories, but uh, our every time we touched the plane, it was a 10-hour flight. So, oh. like, the oh, it was insane. Like, the jet lag. I mean, it was unbelievable. If you had any, like, superstitions or, like, oh, I like things done this way or I need this and I need this much rest, it was, like, take that shit and throw it out the fucking window and just get on the ice and fucking play. Yeah. There were games where I'd be, like, out there playing against the Red Army, and I'm, like, holy fuck do I feel like a zombie. I'm, like, where the fuck am I? I'm so fucking jet lagged. What the but it fuck was a good league. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, what the fuck am I? I got to play a hockey game right now. And these Russians, like, there's the hockey wise there, they can all skate, they can all shoot, they can all pass. The problem, in my opinion, from what I saw in my brief time over in Russia, they all have, they, they can all play. There's no doubt about it. They can fucking play. The problem is, is they got no direction. They're still, the coaching is stuck in like the 60s back there. Like, I was out there. I still remember it clear as day. I'm out there and I'm practicing. I mean, nobody speaks, you know, other than the five or six imports we had on the team, nobody speaks fucking English. It's Russian, which I don't understand. And we got no system, like no nothing. So one of the assistant coaches spoke some English and I'm like, Hey, I'm like, what are we doing? Like in the D zone or like, you know, can, what the fuck is the plan? He's like, ah, you're a pro. You'll figure it out. I'm like, figure it out. I'm like, I can't even fucking communicate with the guys I'm playing with for Christ's sake. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting that way where like really high skill, like when I first got over there and watched the game and practices, I was sitting there and I'm like, Holy fuck. I don't Olympic ice too. Yeah. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I might be in trouble here. I don't know if I fucking move well enough. But then once I got out in the games, like I was like, well, that's great that you can shoot and you can stick handle and you can pass and you can skate. But at the end of the fucking day, you got to play hockey. And if you want to score a goal, especially you go Olympic through, guys, yeah. you're going to have to go to the net. You're going to have to get inside the dots. So I'm like, I just played it. I'm like, look, you can fucking do whatever you want in the corner there, stick handle and do whatever. I'm like, I'll just be sitting here waiting for you. And whenever you decide to come towards the net or look like you're coming out this way, you got to go through me. So it ended up working out pretty decent. Yeah, I was actually yeah. a pretty decent player over there, at least defensively. Um, so yeah, it, it was fun. It, it was a, overall, it was a really good experience due to the travel. 
and there were some really long days, um, really long fucking days. But I mean, it, yeah, it, it was interesting. It was a good life experience. I'm glad I did it. Uh, I wanted to go back and play in there again. Um, we made the playoffs, an expansion team. We made the playoffs. We ended up losing to the team in the first round that ended up winning the whole thing. Um, and I was all set to go back. I was pumped. I'm like, fucking right. And there was a team at the time. So I was there the year of the Sochi Olympics. And at the end of the season, my Russian agent called me. He said, hey, uh, uh, Donetsk uh, in, uh, in the Ukraine, Donbass, is interested. And I'm like, awesome. I, I played a game there. Randy Robitaille played there and I talked to him after the game. He's like, yeah, man, it's pretty good. This is a pretty good town. There's lots of money here. We get paid on time. I'm like, fucking perfect. And so I was back here. And so I started, I'm like, all right. I'm like, fucking right. So I'll hundred percent go. I told my agent, I'm like, yeah, tell him I'm in fucking give me a number. And then I opened up the fucking USA Today app or whatever it was, news app on my, on my iPad. It was after the Sochi Olympics. And that was when uh, you, the Russians started fucking with the Ukrainians there. And the first fucking headline on the sports page was, was pro Russian rebels burn arena to the ground. So they had fucking burnt the arena to the ground. There was fucking riots and everything. And that was the end of the fucking team. Yeah. I remember reading that and I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's a sign. I think I'm fucking <laughs> All right. done. Yeah. I better go back course. to Calgary. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's time to find my golf club. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll finish out on this. I know people want some more, so we'll have to get you back on again. This has been awesome. Sure. But uh, so uh, Fids uh, sends us this question in. He goes, ask ask Kami about the Sandman Golf Tournament in Kelowna. He had a few expensive nights at the auction. So oh, I don't know if you remember God. this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sort of. Yeah, so I spent some summers in Kelowna. And uh, my first time, really, not my first time to Kelowna, I went out there to play baseball as a kid, but um, Greg Adams used to have this golf tournament in Kelowna. It was a charity golf tournament, and there's a ton of hockey players, NHL guys that live in Kelowna. And then uh, I played with Chuck Kobasu, who's from a Soyuz, and Chuck took the tournament over. So this was like, I think it was, actually, I think it was the summer of 06, I think. 06 or, yeah, I think it was 06. So Chuck takes this tournament over. And so Chuck and I played together in Calgary, played in the minors. We're tight to this day. And he's like, hey, why don't you come out to Kelowna, fly out here and play in the golf tournament? I'm like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. So go out playing this golf tournament. And I ended up coming for the next three or four, well, till it, till it ended, three, four, five years <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And like, first time I went out there, I was there for like the tour. I was there for three days and went home, had a blast. Next time I went out there, I was there for a week. Next time I went out there, I was there for two. And then all of a sudden I'm like, fuck it. I'm just moving to Kelowna. In the yeah, I'm buying a house. Um, so, yeah, so they'd all, I mean, it was a good time. Like, there were tons of people, lots of the guys. There was, like, I mean, there must have been 30, 40 NHL guys there, so a bunch of my buddies. And, I mean, it was, I mean, full bore. I mean, the golf round took, like, eight hours. You're out in 30-degree heat, playing golf, but booze everywhere. Where was there the tournament? At the Harvest Golf Course in Kelowna. Yeah. And, and so you know if you wanted to you could buy caddies which were Coors yeah. Light girls so I ended up buying some of those and then what <laughs> Fids is referring to is the, the summer I so like my first couple of years you know I'm making league minimum or whatever and you know so I'd buy a caddy or whatever but that's about it and they got all these auction items they're auctioning off all this shit I didn't buy anything really other than the caddy and then what Fids is, is referring to is then when I signed in Columbus then I went to that tournament 
And now these guys are all over me because now I'm making money. And so they're just giving it to me. And I got blackout drunk at that fucking tournament. I actually got the, one of these. I bought a theory of a, I'm looking at it right now. Anyways, I got shit faced at this tournament and bought, I don't even, I don't even know how much money I spent. I ended up buying all this shit. It was like two years in a row. So like, to be honest, I didn't even know what I bought and play this tournament. And the general manager of the harvest is like, Mike, we have your stuff. And I'm like, Hey, look, can you just put it somewhere? I'll come get it later. But I had all this shit sitting there for years. So I don't know how much money, I mean, it was all for charity. So it was all for good cause. But yeah. I finally, so this is like 08, 09. I you get a U-Haul van. Finally went there. I, I kind of moved back to Calgary in 2017. I got a vehicle here and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to Kelowna and I'm going to see if they have my stuff. So I, I called the, the GM there and I'm like, Hey, it's, it's Mike Commodore. I'm like, you still got my stuff. He's like, I got it in the basement. Are you coming? I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. He's like, Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. So I showed up there and I didn't know what the fuck I had bought. And so I pulled up there. I had like a fucking basketball of some kind that I don't know how much. I have a theory of a dead man. I don't play the guitar. Yeah. It's sitting right here in my, I had a fucking torch from the Olympics. <laughs> I ended up dropping off at Gauzer. I mean, yeah, it was a good time. It was, yeah. I don't remember a whole lot of it, but I was just bidding on everything. And I'm sure the guys were bidding me up and then let me have it. Yeah. Awesome. I missed that tournament. I don't know if it would still work with today's climate, but it was fun. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's a great way. Hey, when the two months get a tournament going, you're coming to our tournament. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we're hoping to do. If I get bid like I used to, I'm not getting. No, no, no. You just you just come and you you find the blackout guy. (laughs) Yeah, I can do that. The blackout guy. Yeah, I'll bid the blackout guy up. I can do that. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, we uh, we appreciate you coming on. Well, uh, we're definitely going to try to do a golf tournament this summer, but uh, we uh, can't thank you enough for joining us, man. It's uh, yeah, anytime. Yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. That was fun. unbelievable. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. So uh, anytime. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and uh, yeah, keep in touch. Yeah, hundred percent. Keep in touch. We'll do this again for sure. When you hire a contractor, you want things to go smooth. Smooth as a driveway poured by Pete's Concrete. You want a solid guarantee. Solid as a basement floor by Pete's Concrete. You want Pete. Pete's Concrete. For sidewalks, patios, your leaky basement, Pete lays his reputation down with every job, and he offers you finishes and colors you won't find anywhere else. You want someone who proudly puts their name on the work they do. Pete puts his name in concrete. Pete's Concrete. If it's done right the first time, you don't have to redo it. If you get Pete's Concrete to pour your driveway, you don't need a repeat. When your patio is a PDO, you don't need a repeat. When Pete's Concrete fixes your sidewalk, all it takes is once. You don't need a repeat. And if your basement leaks, a Pete's Repair helps avoid a repeat. Get it done right the first time, with the colors and textures you want, so you don't have to redo it. For concrete, you can choose Pete's, or repeats. Pete's Concrete.